Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, here we go. We're off and running in 2024. Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm Trace Fowler, not Tom Brenneman. And this is, as always, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Tom is out in uh, in Utah, I believe I was told. He's with his family. They're they're skiing. Some would like to think that maybe Tom's dodging the show. Might have been a very, very, very well-timed vacation. Who knows? I'm not accusing him of that. And neither of you, of course. But I just wanted to be at least said out there into the open air. But I do want to do one thing here before we get started. I know many of you think that I'm going to come in here and start doing a, a parade, a victory lap about things that I've said in the past and how they've mostly came true. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I do want to thank all of you. I know I did it. I did it in the chat. I sent out a tweet or a post, whatever we're supposed to call those anymore. And, and, I, and I just said, hey, thank you for letting us do what we do. And I do genuinely mean that. We are a very small company who are trying to make it in this uh, shark-infested waters that is media. And many times you try to get yourself in, into the, the clickbaits of the world and you're trying to make, keep up with the Joneses and do all these things. But when you strip it all back, it's just a bunch of guys talking about sports, trying to enjoy their lives, keep their lives moving in the positive direction and just getting through it all together. And I hope you enjoyed the, the time off. If you had some time off, if you had family members that came into town because of the holidays you hadn't seen in a while, hopefully you enjoyed them. And I know one thing, I was sitting around at about 2 o'clock in the morning yesterday thinking I, was, I had to get on here and do this show. I had just sat and watched football for most of the day, snuck a Harry Potter movie in there at the very beginning of the day, which those have become somewhat enjoyable. No spoilers from hopefully Everett. But I was wondering, where you, what do you talk about? There's so many things that have happened over this holiday season that the last time I've been on here till now that are, are more than worthy of discussing on a sports, sports debate show, sports uh, talk show, whatever you want to consider this. And to be quite frank, I didn't really have an answer. And I get in here this morning and Reed sends a text and I just kind of happened to look down and see it about 25 minutes before the show started. And he said, hey boss, I was ready to do the show. And I was thinking to myself, if I would have known that at 2 o'clock last night, I would have packed it in and been like, hey Brand, it's all you brother. It's all you. But he came in. He said, yeah, I, I, you know, we talk. I got some plans. I was going to talk about how the SEC is better than the Big Ten. I was like, well, maybe quietly to myself, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the show. I'm going to do the show. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we live right in the middle of Big Ten country. And I don't know if that's all true. We'll get into that. The college football playoff, however, the committee had an impossible task, Right. We've gone down that road before. We're not going to do it again. But they had an impossible task. They had too many teams that deserved, if you want to call it that, a shot to earn themselves a national championship or at least be deemed worthy as the best team in college football. Georgia certainly put on a display against Florida State that made many people think, oh, well, look at that. Florida State, frauds all along. Florida State didn't play with half their guys. We, we, we will talk about that later in the show, but you can't sit there and act as if everything is equal. Certainly, if they played Georgia 63-3, do they have enough guys that would have been able to overcome that? I don't know. But the college football playoff committee had an impossible task, 
And many people today are probably waking up and saying they got it right. I don't know if they got it right. I don't know if they got it wrong. I just know as a whole, the system was broken. It is broken. It's going to get somewhat fixed, if we want to call it that. Between the portal, how many teams should be in the playoff, NIL, cheating scandals. I'll tell you a little bit later on the show, college football's biggest problem. And we'll get into that. Then I was thinking, well, the other thing obviously we can discuss is certainly the Cincinnati Bengals. Once again, their season ends in Kansas City for the second year in a row. And to be quite frank, that the feeling or the taste in the mouth, if you want to call it that, is somewhat the same. The situations are very much different, however. You're a play away from getting back to the Super Bowl. This year, you're certainly not a play away from getting back to the Super Bowl. But... You felt like it was a game in which you should have won. You could have won. Let's face it, the Bengals, they, they didn't have the recipe to make a great run this year. As much as many of us have tried to, to, to mask some of the deficiencies they've had and we try to convince ourselves that, you know what, if they can just get this figured out, then maybe they'll get back to the Bengals of old. It just never was in the cards. They were fighting an uphill battle all year long. And when I say all year, I'm talking all year. It started back in the summer with Joe Burrow. Somewhat innocently, certainly at the very beginning of it, it wasn't innocent, but somewhat innocently he had this calf injury, right? Oh, no big deal. In a couple days, he's walking around the locker room. He'll be back week one, no problem against the Browns. We'll be right back at him. We're Super Bowl favorites. And, uh, and, and you just assumed that the well-oiled machine would continue to be well-oiled, and it was going to continue to go right down that path. That is until they started 1-3, and three, and Joe Burrow did not look healthy at all. Then it was T. Higgins. He's on again. He's off again. He's not healthy. He is healthy. The tight end room was a mess, arguing over who should be playing in that position. Sam Hubbard was out for a short bit of time. Cam Taylor-Britt goes down. DJ Reader goes down. Now, some people are going to say, hey, these are excuses. These are excuses. Yeah, they are. And you know what? Sometimes, if you want, to, you want to strip that onion back just a little bit, excuses have valid reasons. That's, that's why you even come up with them in the first place. Now, some excuses aren't worthy. I get it. You can't be an excuse maker in life. You'll get nowhere. But if, the, but if you want to kind of be honest about it, the NFL at times is about who's the healthiest at the end of the season. Certainly you have to have a good football team, yes. Can't be naive to that. The Panthers could have been the healthiest team all year long. Do I think they would have been good? No, of course not. I'm not saying that's all it is. But I will say that is a part of this whole factor that goes into winning Super Bowl, is getting lucky and having guys healthy. The AFC, if you look at it, it's been well documented. How many guys in the AFC have their QB1? Not many. And I would argue the only ones that you could consider yourself in the AFC that you think you think can win a Super Bowl all have their QB1s. Every single one of them. Hell, we had the Bills dead five weeks ago. Bills win this weekend. They're the two seed. You could argue the Bills could be the favorite to get to the Super Bowl if they keep playing the way they're playing. Now, the Ravens clearly look the best. Yes. And we'll discuss all of that and more here in just a moment. The Reds, they made some news. Between all of it, Frankie Montas signed a one-year $16 million deal. Whether he's good or not, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Is $16 million the going rate? Today's a busy, 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 busy day. 
football is king. Football was what was on the minds of many, many people over this uh, glorious New Year's weekend. And that's what we're going to talk about. But first, as always, we'll go around the room. I am a little worried about some of the people in here because, yeah, man, they were, they were feeling good about themselves yesterday until the wheels fell off a little bit there for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Reed, don't start any fights right off the rip here. I, I hope you won't. Listen, I think you mischaracterized what my show was going to be. It was going to be mostly Bengals. But, yeah, I was going to sprinkle in. I was going to sprinkle in the Big Ten versus SEC stuff because it's not so much a debate as it is just fact at this point. But, uh, yeah, nice to see you, Trace. It's a, it's a beautiful new year. It is. Elliot, are, are you okay? Well, here's I'm worried what about your well-being. Here's what happened. It was about 10 minutes till kickoff, and I said, I know Trace has uh, his game of the year on the line here. On the first day of this year, new year, this is his game. This is the game of the century, and I was like, "Do I ride this?" And I was very close to pulling the trigger. I was going to ride with him, but then I thought to myself, "The Big Ten is taking on the SEC. I don't know a ton about college football. Mister Mo will be the first to tell you anything I say about college football. He'll say is negated because he says I'm unintelligible. But the bottom line is, the SEC is a far better conference." And I thought Alabama was being slept on a little bit here. They were two-point underdogs to a Michigan team that hadn't played a whole lot of people. They beat Ohio State, and they beat Penn State. That's it. Outside of that, not, not very much. So I thought, you know, maybe Alabama, maybe Nick Saban was going to wake up. And I would argue for about three-quarters of that game, you could say Alabama was the better team. Michigan had a lot of turnovers, but I thought I was on the right side. I went with Alabama, and I lost. Brutal. I will say uh, Harbaugh is a coward for not going for two at the end. What a ridiculous thing they to won. say. And ridiculous take because coward. ultimately he felt like he was the better team. And better teams usually kick the field goal. Casey, we'll get into the Bengals here in just just a second. But overall, uh, how was the uh, the weekend or the Bengals ruined? Uh, the weekend was good. Um, enjoyed the, the New Year's uh, party and celebration. I didn't let the Bengals get me down. I was already kind of prepping in my mind and maybe that makes me not a, a so good fan. Um, but it is what it is. I enjoyed the college football playoffs a lot. Uh, I rode with you on the Michigan trail. Sorry, Jacob, but, um, yeah, I started off the year with a victory. So got to look at that that way. Uh, I'm, I'm green on the year. So there you go. Oh, that's good. Hunt. That, that, that's always the way to go. And I'll, I'll I, listen. Yes, I, I very much thought that Michigan was going to bully Alabama. We'll talk about the college football playoffs first. We'll get into the Bengals. And then, as always, we'll probably talk mostly about the, the NFL as a whole, the state of the uh, the state of the union. We're, we're finally to the part in the NFL season where things are starting to crystallize just enough to start to have a real idea of what's going to happen. That's out, that is outside the AFC because the AFC is one of the most wildest seasons I've ever seen. Reed said right before the show, uh, not to get us off subject, we're going to stay on college football, but you said right before the show that the Bills, they could, they could find themselves in a position where they're the two seed this weekend. And they can also find themselves in a position, did I hear you right, that they're not even in the playoffs. Yeah, if they, if they win, they're the two seed. If they lose and the Steelers win and the Jags win, they don't make the postseason. So the Dolphins, same, same, same board. They could, they could win, two seed, lose, six seed. So I said right before the, uh, the, the, the show began here that 
college football is in a position where certainly it's it's been so well documented and talked about and talked about and talked about. We're not going to redo it again today about how the system is broken. We all know that. You can see it. It's clear as day that there is an issue when it comes to trying to figure out how you are supposed to award a champion. And let's face it also, the tournament in and of itself that, we, that we've come to know and grow to love is not a playoff, whatever you want to call it, is not the, maybe the best way to figure out who a champion is, who the best team is. But it certainly makes for better television. It certainly makes for more drama. And quite honestly, that's why we watch sports in the first place. We want drama. We want to be entertained. It's like a big, long soap opera, perhaps. It's probably what people outside of sports think about sports. I don't know whether it is or isn't. Some people act like it's scripted. I personally don't believe it is. But I do know last night... You got an opportunity to watch the college football playoffs, and it delivered. Not one time last night did I think to myself, you know what? I really think they should just go back to the old way. I think they should have less games, have more committees, try to figure out who the better team is before anybody plays, and let's just, let's just, hell, let's just go back to the old, old days and just crown a champion by the voters. We'll have an AP champion. Hopefully, if anything, over this last, whatever it's been, three or four months, we've, we've finally gotten to ourselves in a position where we can stop debating and arguing and wasting our time about the fact that the college football playoffs shouldn't expand. Now, if you've watched this show long enough, you know that I sat in that very chair maybe a year and a half ago thinking to myself that I really don't want college football playoffs to expand because it kind of maybe dilutes or waters down the regular season. You're never going to get a Michigan-Ohio State game ever again that is winner-take-all. You, you win, and you're in the playoffs. If you lose, you're out. Well, you might. You, st the, 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 you still have to win games to get in the playoffs. But one thing we can't have happen ever again, and, and it's not going to happen, quite frankly, is a team in which you could make the case, without question, has not slipped up all year according to the rules of the game, which is you win or you lose doesn't get their chance to play for a national championship. And as much as many people might think I'll sit up here and say, well, look at Florida State. They were frauds all along. And I sat there and I told you that they probably wouldn't be bowl eligible if they played in a real legit league. I still felt bad when I watched Florida State the other night. Because no matter what you think about it, whether you think they're legit or you don't think they're legit, the best thing about sports and the only thing in life that is unlike this is that you do, there are no politics. There, 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 are no, there are no, hey, you get, to, you get to try to pick and choose what's going on. That's not what sports is about. That's not what me and you grew up on. The best player played when you got to competitive levels. Now, if you want to sit there and you want to make, oh, look at this terrible take Trace is saying, I know back when I was in sixth grade, the, the, the dad played his son all the time because he was, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you get to the point where it means something and it's not recreational, the best players play and you get to decide it on the field. There are no politics. You don't, you, you don't, yes, are calls going to differentiate sometimes whether one team wins or one team loses? Yes, that's because it's so close that sometimes luck is involved. But Florida State is a team in the, face it, they didn't lose a single game and here they were getting their absolute brains beat in by, you could what make the case, the best team in the country. So I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, look at Florida State. 
I'm just going to say that the, the system as a whole was broken. Now, you fast forward to the college football playoffs yesterday, and you find yourself in a game in which the granddaddy of them all, right? The Rose Bowl has all the nostalgia in the world. You got the, 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 the sun setting over the, the mountains right there in the third quarter. You got the glare at the beginning of the game. You got all of the things that you've come to know and love about the Rose Bowl. And then you have the night setting when it means the most. And it delivered, kind of. Can we at least all agree that that was a sloppy, ugly, disgusting football game for most of it? The only real reason that we all are going to sit around and talk about how great of a game it was, if we want to call it that, is because it was close. Is because it came down to a few plays at the end. But the biggest problem I had before we get into this game about college football is that they changed the rules and what they've decided to do is they allow the clock to run. Why? I'll tell you why they let the clock run. It's so they can fit in some more commercials. Now, you might want to laugh about it and it is kind of funny, but that's a real problem. And if you want to act like it's not a problem, then go ahead. But it is certainly, if I didn't love college football, there is no chance that I would have found myself waiting through all that. I'd have been like, you know what? I'll tell you what. You let me know when they start the second half because I'll be back in the middle of the third quarter because at this point, how long do I have to sit here and watch commercial after commercial after commercial? With all due respect to the two bands that played, they, 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 they made that look like they played for 10 minutes of the halftime. They played like a minute and a half for each band. They cut them off. They're like, hey, let's run some more of these Allstate commercials. It was beyond, like, I don't want to call it unbelievable because I've seen it before, but it was ridiculous. I, yesterday, you know, having a lazy day after the New Year's, sat down on the couch, took a nap, woke up right for the Rose Bowl. Started watching. My wife goes, hey, let's go get some food. I said, I'll leave at halftime. So I left right at the last second ticked off before halftime, drove to Chipotle, ordered our food, got food, went to a store, got milk, in the second half hadn't started yet. That's like a 30-minute like operation that I did there, and I did all of that in the meantime of that halftime. As someone who, who doesn't watch a whole lot of college football, you guys know my opinions on college football, it's hard for me to get into it when the game takes five hours. Elliot had Tweet of the Year yesterday when he said he could watch the entire trilogy of The Godfather and still make it back for the, for the start of the second half. But you're right, it was a very sloppy game. Uh, the commercial, the commercial aspect makes makes it unwatchable. Again, the only way you watch it: a, you love college football; b, you have money on it. Uh, I did have money on it, and I do kind of like college football, so I was able to power through it. But there was a point; I think it was like during the, maybe it was maybe it was right after the game started. I think it was after the first touchdown by Alabama. I think they went for a six and a half minute commercial break. I think that's what it was. It was, it, it, it's preposterous. That's fine. That's what they're going to do. They're going to sell their ads. When ESPN buys the rights to this, they have to sell, they have to make their money back. So that's what they were going to do. But at the, at the same time, uh, <laughs> we, you, you do have to care about the viewers and the people who are, who are watching the game. The game itself, I thought, I didn't think it was that bad of a game to watch. I thought it was a defensive game. I think that's what, that's what everybody thought it was going to be. Now, Michigan tried their best to lose the game with all the turnovers and sloppy play especially on the special team side of the ball. But I would say I, I didn't have an issue with that game. I thought the game was I, I thought, thought it was I sloppy. Thought it was I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was ugly. Yeah, yeah, the reason I think it's ugly is this. is because 
Yes, I, I do believe that sometimes great defenses can make a game look and appear a little uglier than maybe they really are. But the reason is, is that you have a couple muff punts on, on Michigan's side. You have a missed extra point. You have a missed field goal. On Alabama's side, you have about five false starts. You snap the ball over the kid's head a couple times. It just it wasn't clean football all the way around. It, 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 and and the, there's another reason as to why that might happen, and hopefully that gets fixed as well, is that these teams play all year long. They get a week, week, week. Maybe they get one bye week, and then they play week, week, week. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, most important game of the year. You get to play in six weeks. Yeah, I've, well, what the hell are we doing? We can, t- I mean, it's so, uh, I won't do that because we're going to try to start the new year off, kids show. <laughs> it's so backwards and ridiculous that we've always just assumed that that's fine to do because that's just the way it's always been done. That's the one thing that's said at every horrible corporation. Because when you ask a question, their answer is, well, that's just because that's how it's always been done. If you work at a place like that, then you have terrible leadership, in my opinion. Because ultimately, you just try to do what's best. And hopefully, we get ourselves in a position with college football, we start to do what's just best. And if that means more and more teams have to make the playoffs to make all this make sense, so be it. I don't care. The second game here is the one in which... Also, last thing about Michigan and Alabama... There's one thing I do have to say about Alabama. As much as I, I might, I don't want to say despise, that's not the right word. As much as I thought they were frauds all year long, as much as I don't think they were that good of a football team, the one thing that that program does have, and they, and they will, I don't know if they'll ever lose it under Saban, is they believe and feel as if they should win every game. That if you took, in my opinion, the name off the front of their uniform, I'm, I'm not sure they don't lose three games this year. Because there's a little bit of a fear factor when you play against Alabama as well. You beat yourself more times than they beat you. At least that's the opinion that I have. Certainly there's been years where Alabama's the best team in college football. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not debating that fact. But Michigan tried every which way possible yesterday to give that game away. A couple decisions that, that Jim Harbaugh made that he'll never have to face is two of them. Because things didn't go wrong. The first one is they stuck some poor little kid back there. And I say poor little kid because I mean that. They stuck some poor little kid out there for the first time to go catch a punt. All year long. In the most important fair catch spot in the history of Michigan football. They stick some kid out there that ain't been out there all year long. And sure enough, wouldn't you know it. The lights got pretty bright up there. It looked like, it, it, it quite honestly looked like Nick Senzel in left field. Oh, no. Ball gets muffed. Now I got to give him credit. He did get back on the ball. What he a did hell of get a forward. What a hell of a play by him. He went from the, he went from the, I, I, can we just be honest? He went from getting 7,000 death threats on X.com to now only having 700. And that's only because Michigan won. Because if they would have lost, he still would have been the GOAT. The other thing that Harbaugh did, and I don't know if it was him or there was a miscommunication, but can somebody out in the world of sports, anyone in the chat, can you give me an answer? If they're a journalist anymore, can I get someone to ask a hard question at the end of a damn press conference? I don't care if they won or not. Who called the timeout? Who called the timeout? 
You're trying to knee the ball on a two-yard line. You successfully do it. And sure enough, somebody over there calls a timeout with five seconds left. Why? These guys make millions of dollars, everybody. That's a lot of money. I don't know if you know. What, what in the world are we doing sometimes? Now, I got to say, J.J. McCarthy didn't impress me much, but he did make a couple big-time plays. The biggest play that he ever made in his life up to this time is nothing to do with throwing a football. The catch that that kid made on the lateral throw. By the way, how many trick plays is Michigan going to try to run when you can just bully the guys in front of you? Heaven forbid just turn, turn around and hand the ball off to Blake Corum and get six or seven yards every time. No, let's do this Zach Taylor bullshit and just go around and throw the <laughs> ball over to place. God love him. The number one thing you can tell about somebody that's not played in big games and doesn't believe that they can win just straight up is they go around trying to trick everybody. What in the hell are we doing? Turn around and hand the ball off. Did you see what you did in overtime? What'd you do? You hand the ball off to the right, Blake Corum, seven yards. You hand the ball off to the left, Blake Corum, 20 yards, touchdown. Two plays, touchdown. Now, why it took all the way to overtime to do that, I don't know. <laughs> These guys make millions of dollars, and I just sometimes scratch my head. And they know way more about football than I'll ever know. Trust me. But sometimes the smartest guy in the room, you know who they are from time to time, is the dumbest guy in the room. But congratulations to Michigan. They snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Boy, did I think they were dead. So did Elliot. I think Elliot cashed his ticket before it actually I hatched. I should have. I was, I was on I, the, the cash out, uh, again, I won't share my unit size, but there was a cash out, uh, and I should have done it. I, I, I was, I, my finger was on the trigger. I didn't do it. I should have done it. That was a mistake. But good for Michigan. By the way, that kid fair, tried to fair catch that ball at the four-yard line. That's where he was going to fair catch it at. That's called nerves. <laughs> Just like Did you see JJ McCarthy's first throw of the game? I mean, what? We, we didn't we yeah, we cuz it it got negated. But it still begs the question, what the hell was he doing? I lost mean, he's... $300 off of that negate. <laughs> It's tough. Would you have him throwing a pick or? I had him. I had a parlay, a five-leg parlay, and he just throws the pick at the beginning of the game. I'm like, all right, we're looking real good. Yeah. Never throws another pick the rest of the game, and how was that? Yeah, they were. They were really, really nervous all game. I, even the coaching, like the play calling, like you said, just run the ball, run the ball down their throats. They were very effective with Quorum, and yet he was trying to do flea flickers, end arounds. Let's let's the have the running back awesome. throw back to the quarterback, and the quarterback makes an amazing catch. By the way, like there's so many things that are just so unnecessary about that game. I don't know why. They just I did think I, I thought the pass game was working for him. He just didn't execute it. Like, yeah, they, 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 they were open. Too. They were just yeah. missing wide open passes, and I don't know. I, I they could have done they could have done both ways. You know what's funny is I'm, I Trace brought up the point about Alabama always believing in the, the jersey. They they go into every game thinking that they're going to win. And I'm friends not only with Trace, but with a couple other Georgia fans happen to be his family mates. And uh, the, the entire game, they're just texting me, Alabama sucks. I hate Alabama. I hate Alabama. And I realize 
Georgia fans <laughs> thinking about Alabama is just like Bengals fans thinking about Steelers. Like it's just doesn't it doesn't matter what the, what jersey the Steelers are wearing. It doesn't matter who's putting it on. They're gonna walk out there and they're gonna win nine games at the minimum. And it's just like it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating that they they can't keep getting away with it. They can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> and I listen. I'm not here to suggest that that Alabama isn't somewhat of a decent team. Of course they are. They're, they're they they lost one game all year long, and then obviously they lost in overtime there to Michigan. But but Alabama, they, they got dominated yesterday. I yeah. really I really do believe that. I'm not yeah. just saying that just because I, I'm not a big Alabama fan, obviously. But I just I think to myself when I look back at that game yesterday, Michigan controlled the line of scrimmage. Michigan to a certain extent looked like they were the far better team. And you look up and it's a three point game. And then somehow Milrow does what he always does, which is run the ball, which is which you can't stop it every time. And, and Michigan did a pretty damn good job with Milrow in, in regards to trying to keep him contained. But Milrow is so quick. He's got so – he's so fast, and I don't even know what his official stats are. He jumps out fast on TV. You know, there's some guys that run 100 meters and four – you know, whatever it would be, 10 seconds, and you're like, they're, the, they're one of the fastest guys in the league. And when they're playing, you're like, eh – I mean, then it kind of looked like everybody else to a certain extent. And then you see Tyree Kills of the world. That's what that's what Milrow reminds me of a little bit at the college level. It's like he kind of has Tyreek Hill speed on the football field. And I don't know if he's as fast as Tyreek. Obviously not, maybe. But he's quick. And I thought Michigan did an unbelievable job with him. We'll see what happens left. What's in store? Because the second game delivered as well. Many people probably fell asleep. Washington, Texas, they go back and forth, back and forth. I had mentioned in a group message, I think that uh, Penix, you, you, you should have known Penix was a superstar when Indiana won four games. You know, I, but Penix, Penix walked into Indiana, into Bloomington, and he won four Big Ten games, whatever it was. I don't know really what it was, but you get my point. He made Indiana football relevant. He gets hurt, he gets hurt, he gets hurt. He kind of got, he's one of these COVID kids, so you you know, no offense to the COVID kids, but it feels like they've been in college for nine years. He goes out to Washington, and he is a stud. Now, the reason why he's probably not getting first-round grades and he's not really one of these high-end prospects is, one, because of his age, obviously, but two, is being, he's been hurt. But as far as his skill set, his game, I, don't, I, I would venture to say he might be the best college football player there is that plays quarterback. And Jaden Daniels is, is right there with him. I'm not suggesting that he's not. But I think Washington has a puncher's chance in that game strictly based off the fact that one team has an as and I'll call it elite for elite in terms of what it is at the college level. One team has an elite quarterback, and I think one team could have a good quarterback, but he's played scared in big moments. Let's face it. J.J. McCarthy, outside of Ohio State, in the two college football playoff games he's played, he's been terrible. And you know who the MVP was last night? Can we get rid of those trophies if we're never going to give it to the player that deserves it, by the way? What a waste. What a waste of a trophy. What a waste of everything. And the only reason they probably have it is because there's, there's another advertisement. Got to pay the bills. Speaking of our advertisement, we appreciate all of them. But I just... How does he... How does, how does J.J. McCarthy win the MVP of that game? Did they watch that game? Just give it to someone on defense. I don't give a damn. Just literally, you know what they should have done? They should have put right there on the Jumbotron the, 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 the wheel, you know, like the wheel of lunch wheel. And they should have just done that. 
right when the right when the clock hit zero and had all eleven uh, players that played on defense for Michigan, and then they should have just picked whoever it was at the end. But McCarthy's a problem. If he doesn't clean it up, they won't win. You have to have a good QB to win. All right. I don't know if you've seen it. You might have went to bed. It was late in the fourth quarter. Washington, Texas go back and forth, back and forth. And Washington, similar to the game right before it, felt like they were dominating. Felt like Washington was, was really the team in which played the best, clearly. They had a two-score lead, right? With, uh, I think it was around five minutes of play. They give up a touchdown, or they give up a field goal, excuse me. And it cuts the lead to six. And you find yourself in a position where Washington was going to have to move the football. And Washington did move the football. And they got themselves in a position where they decided, you know what, we're just going to run it, run it, run it to eat the clock. For those that didn't see, there was about 53 seconds on the game clock. It was third down and about seven. Washington did what you should do, and they run the ball. Texas has no timeouts. Ball carrier goes down. You're looking at the clock. You do the math in your head real fast. You're looking at the play clock. You're looking at the game clock. You're waiting for them to start. The, you're, you're waiting for them to run the, the play clock. You see them run the play clock, and you're like, all right, they're going to have 12 seconds. 12 seconds. They're going to punt the ball. After they punt the ball, uh, call it five seconds. They'll have five seconds from their own 25-yard line. Probably a pretty good chance. Washington's running back, who's had foot injuries all year long, has been playing through foot injuries, can't get off the field. Now, again, I'm not trying to overreact here, but I often ask the question, why do we have some of the rules we have? And does anyone give a rat's tail about them? Does anyone be like, you know what, that doesn't really make sense. Why, 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 why would you do it this way instead of this way? Why does the clock stop there? Why does the clock stop? Why doesn't everything just freeze? Play clock freezes. Game clock freezes. You wind the clock. And boom, we're right back to action. Because the guy got hurt. He's laying on the field. He's hurt. But no, that's not the rule in case you didn't know. The game clock stops. It doesn't run. So instead of there being 12 seconds left in the game... There is now 50 seconds left in the game, and the clock doesn't start until they snap the football. So what does Washington do? They punt the football away. Oddly enough, they get a kick-catch interference. That moves up uh, Texas 15 more yards. And the next thing you know, you look up at the clock, there's about 50 seconds left, right around there, 47 seconds left. Michigan's got the football from their own 45 they march all the way down the field. They got first and goal with 15 seconds left, and they get four chances to get in the end zone. And once again, disaster was completely avoided over a horrendous rule. I'm, I, again, I'm not. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But how in the world do we still have sports that have these rules? The goal of the football game is to just play the game to see who's better. 
Why, why would you be in a position where you can be penalized because someone just gets hurt on a field? It's not like, it's, it'd be one thing if you felt like, you know, there was a, there was a fake injury or something like that, right? It, it, you could convince me that the clock should stop if it was like Texas's guy was laying on the ground. Speaking of which, I guess I do ask the question and I should know the answer before I get on a talk show and, and, and air it publicly. But what is the rule on that? If Texas's guy is somehow defensive lineman's rolling around the ground just screaming and yelling because his leg's broken, does the clock stop there or does it wind? Or are you penalized because you got a guy hurt on the field? I, I would, I'm assuming none of us know because it's I think crazy. The clock runs. Well, in the NFL, the clock runs, right? They it's, do it. They do a runoff, like right. Yeah. Like they they stop the clock to deal with the injury, and, and then, then they, they go they, like, all right, ten ten seconds goes, have yeah. to run off. Like you get a, you get a ten second penalty or something. That's what like that. I thought it was in college football too. I guess I guess not. The clock just stops, which is wild. In in all seriousness, the one thing that the NFL does have over the well, one of the many things is that the they can change the rules so quickly. The the NCAA is so slow to change the rules and and, and adjust it according to game like. Clock, like it just seems like a lot of their rules are are decades behind. Well, that's the biggest. I mean, in all college athletics, the the biggest issue with with collegiate sports is the NCAA. We who, I mean, they're they're right. just the worst overseers of all time. They 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 run their sports, uh, and they don't and they don't care about the athletes. They don't care about the product whatsoever. They don't. They, they care don't, about money. They don't have a They don't have. They don't have a guy in charge, right? They no. Don't have they one, don't. one right. singular person. They don't have a Roger Goodell. And that's a big problem for the NCAA. Well, the NCAA is going to obviously find themselves in a position now where they're going to have to start making changes they've never made before to keep up and be relevant. There's a lot of schools right now that I guarantee you that are looking at all of this and asking themselves, what is the NCAA doing? We're not going to turn this into an NCAA talk show because ultimately many of us feel the same way about the NCAA. They're, they're, they're worth next to nothing. When you can't penalize teams to cheat, you can't have rules that you put in place like a transfer rule. And ultimately, whether you like it or not, you get trumped by a legal system as soon as you get sued. Then you don't have a whole lot to stand on. You're in a position that's very, very difficult. But that's part of it. And I get many of you in the chat saying that the Texas declined the runoff. I get what you're saying. I'm asking the question, what logical sense does it make to punish a team simply based off the fact that they have a guy that's hurt, that doesn't want to get hurt. He's trying to get off the field. If he could get off the field, he would. They don't want to, they don't want to stop the clock. Why don't you just blow the whistle? Everything freezes, and as soon as you get the, the guy that's hurt off the field, you blow the whistle again, and everything goes right back to what it was. That is not a hard rule to implement. And it's a rule that, is, that, that should be more or less more in line with the integrity of the way the game's supposed to be played than what the hell just happened. They gave Texas legitimately a free timeout in a free 35 to 40 seconds at the end of a game situation they should have never deserved to get. You're penalizing a team simply based off of happen chance that one of their guys gets severely hurt. It doesn't make sense is what I'm getting at. I understand the rule. I get it. 10 second runoff, all that. All right. Before, I don't know where we're going with this Washington thing, but... Is it fair to, to say, because I think before yesterday, Michael Penix was a, a late second round, early third round grade, based on his performance yesterday, kind of opened his eyes to, kind of opening the eyes of, you know, the country. Is it fair to say that he kind of cemented himself as a first round, as a first round pick? 100%. Is that, is that fair? 100%. 
I I'm I won't go that far just yet. He probably will be a first round pick, but he's got two really phenomenal receivers. I mean, they're both in the top fifty. Right. One of them is, is probably one B. So I I don't know. I, how I'm not saying that. whether or not he's he, he deserves to be a, a a first a first round pick, but based on his play yesterday, there's gonna be a GM that goes, this guy this guy made some outstanding plays. 100%. We should take him. Like he I, I think he. Firmly cemented himself as a first round grade. I think Burrow's playoffs, uh, his two his two playoff appearances, cemented his. Well, he I know, I know, cemented I, him as the first overall. I, I know. I, him as the I know it's a little different because he threw for sixty two. It was the best. It was the best college season the quarterbacks ever had. I get that. Right. But I will say, what did he throw? Seven touchdowns in that first right, playoff game. Right. Right. So I think I think it certainly helps. I think it, 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 it. If he's not a first round pick, I don't know who is. Right. At, at that point. Yeah, I think I, I I was looking up mock drafts. He was like the fifth or sixth quarterback taken. And there's going to be a team that, that, that gets him in the first round. I think he submitted that. I do think this year's class has some depth to it, though. So, strong. I don't know. I mean, listen, the, if, if, if he didn't get hurt as many times as he's gotten hurt, there's no doubt in my mind he'd be toward, towards the top of the draft board. Not just because yesterday, but he's been great his whole career when he's been healthy. I mean, serious. If you go back and you look at Indiana, what they were when he was there, he made them relevant. He made them not legitimate. I'm not trying to say that Indiana was going to go make a college football playoff like Washington has. But the only hesitancy I would have, to Casey's point, about Penix is he plays in this kind of open format offense, this kind of stylistic offense that lends itself to being able to, if you want to call it, pad stats. And I'm not saying that stats are the only thing that well, – stats aren't even looked at it hardly by, at all by, by uh, scouts. But my point to it is that I just don't know if that translates to the NFL. Yeah. I don't know if it does. And he's, and he's been hurt, and he has two great receivers, like you said. One of the things that I thought really helped his case was how he handled the interior pressure. I mean, sure. Texas boasts two of the best defensive tackles in, in college football, and he just moved around in the pocket so fluidly. I mean, I, I think to Trace's point, the injury thing is what's going to hold him back. PFF currently ranks him. Uh, 30th in the draft class out of all the okay. all the draftees, and that was before um, the college playoffs happened. So that could maybe move him up even more. We'll see. Maybe he's the third quarterback taken. I don't know. Just yeah, kind of depends on the style you want. A lot a of people. A lot of people are going to say like, "Why are we going to? What, what would make you think? Why can one game just make you think that he's a first round pick?" And in in Trace pulled out his full body of work, and like that's that's a thing. But when you're in front of a national audience, when you got millions and millions of eyes on you, and you play like he did last night, on top of the way that he's played this year, I think it's I think it's a done deal that he's a, he's going to be a first round quarterback. Like someone will will take him. I'll be shocked if a team doesn't take him in the first round. If he so, plays great in the championship game, that's I'll, true. I'll, I'll like buy if, that. If, I'll, I'll buy board, that. If, 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 he, if he throws, throws three interceptions, interceptions against what, yeah, the, the Michigan, then it's all for naught. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because I also think that there is something to be said. And one thing that Joe Burrow does have, and, and, and we'll get into the Bengals here in just a second, is that there is there is a clutch gene. There is sure. this there is this mentality that some guys have and some don't have that when it gets nut cut in time, as we like to say around here. There are guys that step up, and you could say that Penix has done that, and he might do that in the championship game. And if he does, then I would say it would, I don't want to say it's immense for sure first-round grade, but he gives himself a pretty good chance because the NFL reaches all the time. Every single year, you think to yourself, wow, well, there's not really Kenny Pickett. I mean, look at that guy. If Kenny Pickett was coming out in this class, that poor bastard would go in the sixth round. I still think Kenny Pickett sucks. 
But the, the but the facts are, he came out in a horrible class. Right. He was one of the top two or three quarterbacks in that class. You start to convince yourself. I mean, who the hell was that Tennessee guy they took? I mean, what was his name? He came out of the left field. He, he was like played. At, I don't know, played at Houston or something. The guy that plays for Tennessee Titans, or he did for at least a year. Somebody in the chat will know. Tennessee Titans drafted a kid, and they and and I don't even remember the kid's name, but he came out of left field. All of a sudden, he was the hot commodity because he could throw the ball 900 yards. And next thing you know, these NFL GMs are convincing themselves that he might be this this great player. Kevin Liberty Cole? quarterback. The Liberty quarterback. Malik Willis. Malik Willis. Oh, Malik Thank you. Willis. Okay. Malik Willis. I mean, Malik what are we Willis doing was... here? Malik Willis. That that's if, if Malik Willis can find himself getting drafted in the NFL where he did, then yes, Penix is going to find a GM that will willing to take him. Johnny Manziel also went, what did he go, number one overall? Yeah, well, that's the, that's, the, that's my, the Browns. That is the Browns. <laughs> my point is is that somebody, the Browns also are in a position where they might reach and take somebody. So don't you never know. Right. They might have $290 million stockpiled in a quarterback up there, but right. I wouldn't surprise me if the – if the Browns took a first round quarterback. Trey, Trey Lance is a is a good example of that. Like he was he was drafted very early. But Malik Willis was like a first round grade all all year long going. Like he was the projected to be the first overall quarterback taken. So yeah, I mean pe people stretch like cuz they know in the NFL if you get a guy, you're set up for some time. You're set up for some time. That's the most important thing to building an NFL roster. So yeah, People, people try to do that. What's funny is about the Michael Penix thing. We're talking about him. Did he cement himself as a first-round pick? Uh, J.J. McCarthy was another guy that floated around first-round yeah. grades, kind of going back and forth. And, you know, you know, he's the MVP, but he didn't blow That's anybody funny. away, did, didn't look very good. And if he would have had a four-touchdown game, 450 yards, there would be teams convincing themselves to be a top-10 pick. Like, J.J. McCarthy's a guy a top-10. And he can still do that in the championship game. It's just, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that it's funny how one game in front of a national audience can, can convince not just fans, not just people in the media, but NFL GMs and NFL head coaches to go, all right, this is our guy. One game, two games in front of a national audience can, can convince – People that are making decisions for millions of, of fans, right? Yeah. That's what's crazy about it. And not to sport. bounce around crazy subject to subject here, but to, to illustrate your point as well, is Derek Jeter is very much the same kind of guy. I mean, Derek Jeter had some iconic moments and some very meaningful times and right. played for a played for a historic franchise. And that's why Derek Jeter has the lore that it has. It's and I'm not saying Derek right. Jeter had a bad career. I'm just saying that right. you always make fun of the fact that, that Derek Jeter was never the best shortstop in New York uh, right. when he was there. Right. And and maybe that's true or maybe it's not, but the fact of the matter is when you're in a big stage, a big audience, if you deliver when it means the most, then obviously you start to, to, to get a reputation that you can deliver. And I think that's where, that's where, if you want to call it what it is, and a good transition and segue here is that is what Joe Burrow has done for this town. Yeah. Joe Burrow, whether, whether you think that he's the best quarterback in the league or not, he has consistently delivered when it means the most. Now... I think that I needle you guys, and certainly me and Sean kind of have a different viewing opinion of Joe Burrow, as many of the Bengals fans do. But I can't deny what Joe Burrow has done when he's been put up against the wall or when it, if, when he's had to play in big games. He is, if anything, maybe he hasn't won the Bengals all of their big games, but he certainly hasn't lost it. And he's had big moments in those games. And, he, and, and again, we've had this great debate here about the Cincinnati Bengals and what the and call them issues. I'm not sure what you'd call it. I think some of it's bad luck. I do. I and I'm not here to try to, you know, pass the buck or 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 try to give Zach Taylor a pass. 
But the one thing at the end of this year that I've come to realize or that I feel like I've come to realize is I think Zach Taylor is a good coach. And I know Thank you. I know many of you are going to sit here and crush me for saying that and you think you want to you want to hate my guts about the play calling this that and the other. The NFL in 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 more times than not probably 90% of the time or more the players make the coaches anyway. The players make the coaches anyways. How many teams can you really look around? Or how many coaches can you really look around and be like, you know what? It was all because of him. I know one guy off the top of my hand, and it's Shanahan. Shanahan may be the only guy. And Andy Reid's a close second, but I don't even say Andy Reid, to be quite honest with you. Needs great players, too. Because this year's Chiefs team's not very good. Am I supposed to think that Andy Reid isn't as good of a coach now as he was two years ago? No. Just has different players. And Zach Taylor, again, not trying to make excuses for the guy, but what are you supposed to do? He's not the general manager. He didn't let Bell and Bates walk out the door. Now, whether you want to convince yourself or not that maybe they were a big deal or maybe they weren't a big deal or whether they, made a, whether they play a very important position or not, we can all at least somewhat agree that this defense really, quite honestly, when you look around, doesn't have that all many new faces on it outside the guys in the back end. Now, is that all it is? Of course not. There's other guys that have to step up. Some people are the same player they were last year. Some people are worse. Some people are better. And I know Hendrickson had a great year. Hubbard was on, off, and Hubbard, from a statistical nature, had a good year. DJ Reader was there. Was DJ Reader, though, better this year than he was last year? Were the linebackers better? There was one play, and I know there was many plays. There was thousands of plays, maybe. Well, not thousands, but you get the point. That were made in that Bengals-Chiefs game that could have flipped the game one way or the other. One of them was Jermaine Pratt not being able to make a football play. Now, I know Patrick Mahomes is good, but he's not Lamar Jackson, okay? Jermaine Pratt had an opportunity to stand up Patrick Mahomes two yards short on a fourth down conversion. A huge, pivotal, momentum play of the game. A huge play in the game. And quite honestly, Pratt missed him completely. Now, I'm not saying he needs to stone him and make the tackle. I'm not saying he needs to drive him back and he's three yards short. I'm saying he needs to hold him up just a little bit longer so Hubbard, who almost made the play, can get there a half a second later and finish the tackle off. That's what a great linebacker would do. That's what a Ravens linebacker would do. And if you want to say there's any difference between the Ravens and the Bengals, it's that the Ravens have some legit dudes that play defense. Yes, they have Lamar Jackson. And yes, you can convince me that their offense is great. And Lamar Jackson, and Reed said this all along, we, we need to say what it is. Lamar Jackson is an elite, elite quarterback if he's healthy. Now, that's a big if. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, what do you do moving forward if you're the Cincinnati Bengals? You got some big decisions to make. And we can talk about the game, yes, fellas. We can talk about the offseason and what they do. They have some big, big decisions now. What do you do with Tyler Boyd? What do you do with T. Higgins? Joe Mixon, you can say whatever you want. And I'm going to be the first guy to say I was wrong about Joe Mixon. 
I was so wrong about Joe Mixon. Now, whether or not he has one more year in the tank like he had this past year, I don't know. But I know this. When I watch Joe Mixon play football, I think to myself, he's a pretty damn good running back. Now, he did miss a pretty key block that allowed Browning to get sacked. So I'm not dismissing that completely. But you have an offensive line that couldn't block. I mean, you realize, do you, did you, I mean, we all watched it. I'm not, I'm not saying Browning's innocent, by the way. He held on to the ball a little bit longer than I would have liked him to, to hold on to the ball in that final drive. But God bless America, at least stop Chris Jones from going straight into the backfield. Block just a little bit. Just a little bit. Give him somewhat of a puncher's chance. Orlando Brown Jr. just gets ran right around. You pay a king ransom for an offensive line, and you, you're, you feel like you're stuck with the same stuff. It reminds me of going to a used car dealership. You have a broken down car. You take it in. You get a new car. And you think, you know what? Finally, I don't have to worry about breaking down to work. You drive it like, what? A couple times. And the next thing you know, it's breaking down again. You're like, you know what? We're going to fix this. We got so many valuable people that are in this car that we love. We can't have it breaking down for their safety. A la Joe Burrow. Let's go, let's go buy the nicest thing we can buy. And they go out and they got a $1,400 a month car payment. And they're realizing, they're thinking to themselves, we fixed the problem. We've got it. And next thing you know, there it is again, sputtering. Is that Zach Taylor's problem? I'm not saying you always have to have somebody to blame, fellas. And that's what sports talk ultimately ends up becoming. Who can you blame? Who can you point the finger at? Sometimes it's just bad luck. Yes. You lost your franchise quarterback. You lost some key people. I said at the top of the show. But as much as we give credit, there needs to be some questions asked about Duke Tobin and what his plan is moving forward, and they've missed. They have missed on some offensive line help. Now, I'm not saying it's the world's worst offensive line, but golly day, you've spent so much money there, it has to be better. And I'm not saying they haven't tried, because they've tried, fellas. But it almost feels like, and I could be wrong, and you can, you can say that I'm wrong, and I, you know more about this than I do. I just, it feels as if the Bengals have always stretched themselves in an area in which they know they need to go get help, and they go and try to find guys that, I don't want to say their best days are past them, but their best days are past them. It's like they're getting, they're getting a Jay Bruce going to the Mets. Well, I mean, it's 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 a funny thing because what what else are you supposed to do, right? I mean, if if you've if you've clearly shown an inability to get guys in the draft, which the Bengals have, they've missed almost on every draft pick for a decade now on the offensive line. So they go, all right, we're gonna get free agents, and it's not like they're getting thirty-six year old free agents; they're getting twenty-eight, thirty-year-olds. But as you know, like you get to 30 in the NFL, that's that's a steep mountain. Although I will say the offensive line is the one area that offensive line and quarterbacks they could play into their 30s. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it, it's it's clearly something that there's been so many pieces that have gone into that room, the offensive line room, that there's something else there. It seems mathematically improbable to have this many guys go into that room and be unsuccessful. So I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know what's going on there. But something's there. There's a disconnect with the offensive line. But I, I do want to touch on the thing that you said about Zach Taylor being a good coach. And I know that's a hot-button issue here in Cincinnati. I know there's really two camps that are forming right before our eyes about pro-Zach Taylor, anti-Zach Taylor. I'll say this. The Cincinnati Bengals 
in their 16 games this year that they've played, have played 14 games against teams that going into last week of the year look like they can make the postseason. 14 of the 16. And they've done it with a hobbled Joe Burrow for the first four games and a Jake Browning for the previous six. And this team is 8-8. Eight eight. In, a, in a conference that might have nine teams, nine teams win 10 games. In a division that might have three teams make the postseason. In injuries, and the Bengals are sitting with a chance to go 9-8. and eight. I just think that Zach Taylor deserves more credit than, than he is getting by some people in this city. But I digress. And again, I, I think Zach Taylor is a good coach. Uh, when I think of a coach, I think of a leader. And he is a very good leader. I know there are some people in this room that dismiss the leadership qualities of certain people. I think Zach Taylor is a good leader of men. Saying that, I think I, I do. I, I do think that his play calling is not great. There needs to be a discussion about that, right? I, I, I mean, I can't be the only one. I and again, I never played a down of football in my life. Maybe that discredits everything I say about the matter. But when I watch the game and, and some of the play calls that Zach Taylor runs on third and one or on fourth and inches and we're throwing the ball in the end zone instead of running the ball up the gut, there's just a, there's a lot of plays that, that don't make sense to me. And it's because of Zach Taylor. It's because of Callahan. Someone, someone needs to take charge and take over the play calling because both of them haven't been great all year. The Browns have had a similar issue all year. They've got, what, 40% right. of their roster in injury, and that team's phenomenal. They're on their fourth quarterback of the season, and it's 38-year-old Joe Flacco. He has 13 touchdown passes in a month. So clearly there's a, there's a formula for success elsewhere around the league. It didn't happen this year. Uh, and again, I don't blame Jake Browning. Jake Browning, to, to credit Trace here, Jake Browning did a serviceable job. Jake Browning did You're as right. good of a yeah. job as he could have done. But when I think of Zach Taylor, something needs to happen with the play calling. And right now that's his responsibility. I, I'm not going to play the game where if you take away Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor's not good. Because if you take away the best player on any team from any coach, that, that, that coach is not going to be successful. Right. You can take a look at Bill Belichick. All I'm saying is that there needs to be a discussion in the offseason regarding Zach Taylor. Who's going to call the plays going forward? Because right now it's not working. Well, the, the, well, the perfect point to back you up, the fourth down call, right, to go for it is the correct call because they never even made it back down the field afterwards. Mm -hmm. The play call was horrendous. It ended up blowing up in their face. They ran the ball four times in a row. It was an obvious run-down situation. And, I mean – the execution of it was poor to go back to the offensive line point. I mean, we're, we're just struggling to find help. I've started to come around to the idea that we need to do start questioning Duke Tobin a little bit here. Cause this whole off season has been a complete disaster last off season. I should say not this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they panicked in all honesty. And they, they said, we didn't really find any help in the off season. We uh, didn't sign Jesse Bates. We got to go get, a guy that's going to make the fan base happy. Orlando Brown solidified the left tackle spot. In doing so, they pissed off Jonah Williams, and we had that whole fiasco in the right tackle spot, and that ended up playing out somewhat okay. But Jonah Williams definitely is not the answer there. If you just watch the Steelers game, he's just getting toast by J.J. Watt. I, I need a guy there that it can be a little bit better. Anyways, the offensive line's getting older. They're not athletic. That's another problem is we don't have athletic enough linemen. They're all very fat and slow, powerful big guys. guys. Big guys. Yeah. Big guys. But that's the problem is that they can't. They're not pulling. 
Yeah, they're not pulling. They're not doing anything other than double-teaming the interior guys. And when you go up against some of the top defensive tackles in the league, they just split those double teams. They just – it's not – easy it's not good enough for them to just be powerful linemen they got to be athletic they got to be able to move in space hence can't run the ball hence they throw it all the time they're on their back foot all the time bad all line play for but before trace makes his next point the one thing i gonna say because elliot brought up the, the cleveland browns and i know that there's a lot of Bengals fans that are that are talking about injuries this season and i know i talked about how the Bengals are eight and eight with a without joe burrow for without a full Joe Burrow for 10 out of the 16 um, games or 11 out of the 16 games. I don't want to compare the Bengals. Like when, when we talk about injuries, people are like, well, what about the Cleveland Browns? They're on their fourth quarterback. They're, they've had been banged up and all this year. I don't want to use the Browns because they are doing something that has never been done in the National Football League. It seems, it seems unfair to compare this Bengals team to something that is unprecedented in this league. For the, the better comparison is what the Ravens continue to do, and that is they've had injuries in the past. They've had some injuries this year, and they still find a way to be a competitive team every single week. And, they, and, and you see when they finally get some, some, some health that they look like the best team in the NFL, bar none, take away, <laughs> just look at what they did on Sunday to the Miami Dolphins. So I don't want to, if we're going to do the, the injury thing, which I don't, I don't know if we're going to do it, but no. I, don't, I don't feel like you can compare the Bengals to the Browns because, once again, this is something that the Browns are doing something that the NFL has never seen. It'd be like comparing every quarterback to Tom Brady. You can't do that. Yeah. It seems better to compare the Bengals to what the Ravens are doing, and, that, and that's sustained success despite injuries. Yeah, and the point I was going to make about the Browns, too, and, and you can say whatever you want about it, but when you get good draft picks for a really long time, right. you're eventually going to have good players. Now, you can sit here and make fun of the Browns all you want, but the Browns have had have had good draft picks for what seems like a decade for, for obvious reasons. So if, if, if it takes 15 years of losing, now I'm being a little facetious when I say that, but if it takes 15 years of losing to finally build up a roster so damn good that you can be on your fourth-string quarterback and still be relevant, then it seems like a bad plan. Right. It seems like a bad plan. Let's not forget this Bengals franchise was, was in the AFC Championship game just a year ago. They went to the Super Bowl before that. And, and, and the only thing that's a little disheartening is that I guess I do think, and this is what's bothered me a little bit, I do think great offensive play or great quarterbacks can mask what really actually makes a great team go. And for sure, yes, I'm not downplaying what Joe Burrow means to this team, and I'm not downplaying what, what Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and, you know, whether, and I don't want to say Hayden Hurst, but he was a good player for, for a short bit, short bit of time, short bit of time. And I think Tanner Hudson's been pretty damn good too, if you want to call it that. But the one thing that the Bengals have not been able to do is really insert and, and basically exp, you know, impose their will on teams, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying they're a finesse team in a way. I'm not saying that they don't have anybody that can, that can, that can get, get down in the dirt and be able to get a yard here or there when you need it the most. But a great offensive line, or even a good offensive line, can find a way to convert fourth and ones, fourth and twos. You watch the Eagles play, and I know the Eagles are the exception to the rule, maybe. But more times than not, if you watch a great team, they're going to find a way to be able to just run the ball for a yard. And it's largely because they can block. And this team's inability to block 
has been the reason they've not been successful. I mean, and I know that they've tried. Mm -hmm. But it still begs the question, you gotta, that the problem needs to get fixed one way or the other. And that's a disheartening thing because I don't think there's an easy fix. And the easy fix, and it's not easy, is to hit on some draft picks finally. Yeah. You gotta do that. You gotta do that. And I'm not saying ask, maybe it's a first rounder, maybe it's not. It depends on way, the way things fall in the draft. And I'm not naive on how all that works. If you got a chance to get Brock Bowers in the first round because he fell and you didn't think he was going to fall that far, you got to take him and you just take him. I get that. But you can't take a second round pick again in the next few years and get Jackson Carmen. That can't happen. It can't happen. Because if that does happen, you find yourself in the position that we're in now. And you can say whatever you want about, you know, they could have done this, done that, done that. At the end of the day, Duke Tobin gets credit for certain things, yes. But they've also, and you can, remember when everybody wanted to make fun of what the Bills GM said? And the Bills GM was basically kind of being like, well, it'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase too. I can pick them. I mean, top five pick of the draft. That's fine. And I'm not saying the Bengals haven't made other great picks. But they're going to have to find a way to get an elite offensive lineman through this draft. And they're going to have to be immediate impact players. And those exist throughout the league. If you look in the league, there are rookies that are pretty damn good offensive linemen. It's not an unforeseen thing. So I, if you told me there was one thing that needs to happen this offseason for the Bengals, and I don't care if you want to call it luck or skill, I could care less. They need to get lucky or they need to get something right when it comes to picking offensive linemen in this draft. Yeah, I mean, the, the Jackson Carmen draft will probably live in infamy amongst Bengals fans that are like super into draft. Right. And whatnot, because there was three guys that ended up being all pro, pro bowl sort of caliber offensive linemen on that board that went right after Jackson Carmen. Unfortunately, like, I think they, what I just said earlier about the Allen Athletic lineman that we have, Jackson Carmen was the complete op opposite of that. He was supposed to be the super athletic guy, super strong, you know, very raw talent. They couldn't develop them, couldn't figure it out. At some point, you also got to look at coaching, I think, as well. Last year and the year before that, they were able to run the ball. I mean, Joe Mixon was at least top 10 in rushing every year. Um, it's tough because I think now at this point, we're looking at maybe it being an age factor. They're just declining and injuries are piling up a little bit on those guys. Um, they played really long years back-to-back. -back. Um, that's just tough. I, I, I think the Bengals, they have to hit on a draft pick. And if they're going to do it, it has to be in the first two rounds. You look at the, the data, and it suggests that you're going to hit on offensive linemen most of the time in the first and second round. Right. After that, it's the fifth round, and that's because they're taking flyers at that point. Mm -hmm. You take flyers on your, on your day three guys and just hope that it pans out. So if what you're suggesting, what you want them to do comes to fruition, I mean, they, they have to do it in the first round, and that's just going to be a tough ass with all the other holes that we have on, on the team. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to rip off a, a Band-Aid here and cause sore wounds right after the season's over. But, I mean, look, you took a punter. You took a punter. And, and I, I'm not trying to pat Casey on the back, and you heard guys like Casey and um, Botch was on this as well. But Dewan Jones, he, he goes to the Browns. Fourth round. He goes to the Browns, and, I mean, you're out Third here round. drafting punters. 
the same punter that luckily if the ball will go 45 yards. <laughs> Still can't so, that. so Jolly Jolly brings up a good point in the chat. It's like 25 teams in the NFL are, are worried about their offensive line. Right. And that's because it's, it's the second hardest position to draft. Right, it's the second most. Valuable. I, I, okay, okay. It's the second okay. most valuable. Can I push back draft. just a second? I want to hear your take on this. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Twenty-five other teams. How many teams are worried about their quarterback? That's, that's the. Who, that's the who, most who's got correct. the number one priority? When you look at all the teams in the NFL and they put first problem, problem number one. Right. How many of them are actually saying their offensive line number well, one? Well, that's that's the thing is because the hardest position to draft and the most valuable position to draft is quarterback. That's number one on everyone's list. Once that's why people reach on quarterbacks all the time. Is because once you get that, once you get an elite guy, once you get a really good guy, then you can start worrying about other problems. The second, the second problem is offensive line, and it's the hardest. Like it's the second hardest behind quarterback. So that's why the, these things come in line. It's the second most important position on the field. Listen, we we're, we're not breaking new ground here when we talk about how the Bengals need to draft well to consistently be a good team. That's everyone knows that in the NFL, right? The, 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 it goes, get a quarterback, draft well, have a good coach. Those three things. If you do those three things, you're going to be successful till the end of time. You're going to be good for forever as long as you keep doing those three things. A better philosophical question is, do the Bengals need to change their identity as a franchise? You look at the AFC North, and what do the other three teams have that the Bengals don't or what's their identity compared to the Bengals you look at the the Ravens they're a hard nose smash mouth run first team and yeah they've got an elite guy at quarterback there's no doubt about it Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP bar none then you look at the Cleveland Browns hard nose defense first great offensive line move the chains run the ball you look at the Steelers good defense uh, move the ball to run the ball on the ground all these things they're hard nosed teams and that's what the Bengals are not and the Bengals haven't been that way for years, ever since Marvin Lewis went away. And to, to Zach Taylor's defense is they've won two AFC North titles in the past two years. Obviously, they're going to win it this year. Obviously, the Ravens won it this year. So do the Bengals start molding themselves, start trying to be more like those teams, those other three teams in the division, and kind of fit in the parameters that these three teams are? Or do they stay the course of kind of being the finesse team in the division? While all these teams are zigging, we're going to zag, and it's been pretty successful. That's the deeper philosophical question. And I'm not disagreeing that the Bengals need to hit on some offensive linemen. But I'm not, I, don't, I do not want the Bengals to go the, the way of the Cleveland Browns and to go the way of the Pittsburgh Steelers because I haven't seen them have the success that the Cincinnati Bengals have over the past few years. Now, I, I'll push back a little bit because – Yes, they are a finesse team, but they have been very capable of running it down teams' throats the last two years. Not not this year in particular, but you look at the Chiefs game last year, you're handing it off to P. Ryan. He's just crushing people for three, four yards of carry, and they were smash-mouthing then. Right. The 2021 Super Bowl run, they handed off 30 times to Joe Mixon in the Steelers game. Handed off 30 times to the Raiders. Their most, I mean, they, their most dominant wins yeah. are when they have been smacked, other than the two Ravens wins back in 2021 where Joe Burrow threw for Just 900 yards in the two, those two games. But you're right. When, when the Bengals look their best, a la the Bills game last year, they're, they're turning around and handing it off and kind of being a smash-mouth team. But I would ask, like, is that because it's a completely different game plan than what they've shown all season long and it's catching teams off guard? I'm, just, I'm asking the philosophical question is, yeah. do the Bengals – do the Bengals try to mold themselves to be like the other teams in the AFC North? 
And I don't think they should just because they're going to finish last this year. Like, I don't think they should. I think they should stay to be the finesse team in the division yeah. because, once again, they won the division last year. They won the division the year before. No other team in the AFC North has had the success that the Cincinnati Bengals have had over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, I've, to illustrate your point, I think there's one thing in sports that seems to be true. Every specific sport has one thing that if you do it really, really well, no matter how everything else is, for the most part, you're going to have a good team. In the NFL, and in football in general, I should say, is if your line play, if you sure. can physically outman the person in front of you, you can get, put whatever quarterback you want back there, put whatever running back you want to put back there, put whatever wide receivers you want to put out there beyond the hash marks, way out there wide. If you can just straight up out-physical the person in front of you, you're probably going to win. And that's why I felt like all along, Michigan was going to win and they were going to win a national championship. That's why when you watch the Steelers play, you think to yourself, I know Kenny Pickett sucks. We all know Kenny Pickett sucks. He's not good. I know it. You know it. But the only reason that the Steelers, you think, have a puncher's chance when you go into the game is because you know damn well that Watt and they're going to probably be able to run Najee Harris or whoever the hell else they have in the backfield. Right. Three, four, five yards. And that's part of the deal. In basketball, if you watch a team like, and I go to college basketball specifically, the NBA is much, much harder to have this comparison to because it's a different game in and of itself anymore. But you watch Houston play college basketball the last few years and you think to yourself, I don't care what team they're playing, it's going to be a pretty decent close game. They're probably going to be competitive. In baseball, if you have a guy that can go out there and shove it, I don't give a damn how bad the offense is. Look at the Twins. Look at the Brewers. We wanted to make fun of the Brewers all year long in this office. Like, look how bad this team is. Look at the look at the lineup they're running out there every single day. It doesn't Similar matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter when the other team can just shove it right down your throat and you don't score. So, I will say though, the AFC North is a gauntlet right now. But I would also, and it, is, it has been, but I would also, the Browns have been very, very bad. Okay? They've been very, very bad. The reason this North feels a little bit different than in the years past is because the Browns have finally figured it out a little bit. And the Browns have, and I don't want to say this one run in the sun, but it, I, I'm not going to, I really do think it is like that, though. Like, the Browns, they've, they've reached the peak of what they are right now. If they have an elite quarterback and Deshaun Watson comes back and plays great, that changes things all together. But when these guys start to go get paid, that team's going to look a lot differently. Unless they hit it on draft picks, as we talked about before. But, but, but to answer your question, I, I would like to see the Bengals still stay who they've been. Right. Because ultimately, right. they've had success. The one thing they've not done, quite honestly, is is the one thing we talked about before the show, and you can say we're beating a dead horse. I don't give a damn what you want to call it. It is the facts. When you watch the Bengals, they have an offensive line that is not good. Not When I say not good, I mean like average at best. You, It's hard to win the, the crowning achievement in your sport. The pinnacle thing, the thing that everyone's chasing after, when one of the most important things is whether you can out-physical someone in front of you, and you have a below average at that. It's trying to win a World Series with nobody in your starting rotation. I mean, yeah, you could field an all-star lineup, 
But if you got Luke Weaver running out there, because I'm going to continue the strays. I'm going to see how many strays I can get in on <laughs> one show about Cincinnati Reds, former Cincinnati Reds. If you want to run Luke Weaver out there five days a week, go ahead. You better have Ronald Acuna Jr. batting one through nine. So my point is simple. I don't think that you can blame. If you want to place blame on the Bengals, and Zach Taylor is the head coach, he's going to get the brunt of the brunt of every blame there is to be made. All I'm saying is, when are we going to start saying Zach Taylor is a bit of a problem and maybe someone in the front office is a little bit of the problem? It goes a little bit both ways is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, it's a multifaceted sport, and it's very complex. I think, like you said, front office deserves some blame. Um to answer the question, I don't know if we want to go around and answer the question, should they mold themselves after the AFC North? No, I think they shouldn't. And I think Joe Burrow just kind of cemented how important he is to this Bengals team, honestly. Because when he's on the field, that offense looks completely different, obviously. We've seen what it looks like when he's not. And he completely takes over games, especially when he's on fire. I mean – right. The 49ers are a perfect example of that. The Bills, I feel like, are a perfect example of that. Um, and that's what they rely on is Joe Burrow to be fantastic. And I think that they can they can win games having an average or below average line. They already proved that they can get to the Super Bowl with, right, with the worst terrible, offensive with, line with in all football. One. So I, even if it is average, that's what we asked for after the Super Bowl is, can we get to an average offensive line? If that's what it is right now, like, now we got to start looking at other directions. Like, hey, who, where are we, where are we, what are we missing here? Because they've already invested so much in this offensive line. I would say it's average right Don't now. Don't you think it's fair to say, though, uh, and you know how I am with analogies, that we that you you don't want to blind yourself in the ability that they got to the to the and I, and I know you're gonna say they got to the AFC Championship game, but they were also and I get it. If ifs and if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a jolly good time, is what I've been told my whole life. So I'll say that before I say what I'm gonna to say. I get they've been to the Super Bowl, and I get that they went to the AFC Championship game the very next year. But it almost reminds me that we sit here and we make the excuse of what they've been able to do with the inability of an offensive line. Not that we're downplaying it, but it feels like we downplay that a little bit around here because they've done it before. It's like going to the casino, right? If you have a degenerate, and I mean a real degenerate, someone that's losing money that they need to use to pay their electric bill types of degenerates. If they go down to the casino the very first time in their life and they win $2,500, for some reason, that person or some of the people in their mind, they think that that is the norm. That that is going to happen again. I right. just got to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Because you know what? Every time you say, why do you keep doing this? Well, I won $2,500. Now, for those that are responsible and for those that enjoy themselves at the casino, like myself, I think. You know, maybe everyone says that. I'm just saying. You can have it as an entertainment value. There's nothing wrong with casinos. There's nothing wrong with gambling. I'm not downplaying that. But what I am saying is you can't point back and say, hey, well, we went to the AFC Championship game. We went to the Super Bowl. But I'd also say the team that was in your division had a backup quarterback. And if it wasn't for some godforsaken miracle with Sam Hubbard, we would be sitting here right now acting as if the world was completely falling apart because it had been two years in a row 
where you get bounced in the first round at your at your own home facility. Right. And then the second year, you're getting bullied again. And you look up, and who is it again that's right there? It's the Ravens. I would rather, and you can say whatever you want. I get people in the chat are mad at me. He's like, oh, the same old narrative. It's the offensive line. Sometimes I think the answer is that simple. Well, the defense is the defense is also an issue. I, I mean, yeah. say what you want about yesterday or, or Sunday's performance. Uh, and, and, again, they allowed six field goals. It's, it's that same philosophy, bend, don't break. It was bending all the way. I mean, they were bent. Uh, and sure, the, the Chiefs never uh, got into the end zone other than the first drive when Pacheco caught the touchdown, which, again, he was wide open, nobody within 10 feet of him. You have to fix the defense. The offensive line is an issue, for sure. Are they, are they a bottom 10 offensive line by the time this year ends? Probably, right? They'll, they'll be close to a bottom 10, right? Bottom 12? Uh, I'll double check for bottom you. Bottom 14? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, if you look at the defense, Lou Anarumo – has if there was anybody who wanted him as a head coach, I, I'm I, I'm sure they don't want him now, because that's this this season's been a joke from the beginning. Patrick Mahomes, and if it weren't for Marquez Valdez Scantling and a couple other of the uh, mess around gang that the Kansas City Chiefs are calling wide receivers dropping passes left and right, they probably would have won that game by 15. It's been a disaster from the get go. The defense just wasn't there. It wasn't there all year. We have a couple of great guys. Trey Hendrickson, Trey, Hed Trey Hendrickson is a beast. He's a baller. They got a couple other guys. That's it. The secondary is a joke. Cam Taylor Britton had a great year. I think he, he got cooked on uh, the one play to Rasheed Rice yep. on uh, Sunday. But listen, the, I, at this point, you have to fix the safety issue. I don't know how you do it because Reed and I have been, or I guess just Reed really. He's been, you know, the safety is one of the least important positions in the field financially, right? You, you, can't, you can't go you can't, out. You can't give a guy $65 million Correct. to play safety. You can't do it. It's the running back and the safety. You, you, you can't do it. Um, but saying all that, uh, it's just been an underwhelming year from the beginning. I, I don't think Awuzie's had a great year. I don't think Jermaine Pratt's had a great year. So uh, it, it's bad. you got to fix the defense first, in my opinion. I don't, and, again, that would maybe fall into Reed's question, which is, do you go into the smash-mouth football game? Do you, do you play tough? Uh, and that would be in, in, in improving the defense significantly. I would I would side for that. I would go for that. I, and again, maybe you can do a mixture of both. I'm not saying you have to be the Steelers and play horrible offense but have the best defense. I don't think anyone's trying to play horrible offense by the way. Well, yeah, no. Well, well no. Right, but, right. But, but that but that's but that's essentially what this is, right? You 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 play hard football. So. Well, like, like to 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 sum up that whole discussion. It's when, when you play hard-nosed football, it significantly raises your floor. We've seen that with the Steelers. Like the Steelers aren't ever going to lose. Aren't ever going to only. It win. does. They're not going to go four and thirteen. Yes. But it does limit your ceiling. Hundred percent. Hundred, and and that's why I I don't want to do that. That's I mean like obviously you want to make the offensive line better. All these things can be true with the Bengals still being the finesse team of the North, right? We can still sling the sling the skin around the field with Joe Burrow dropping back 45 times, right. trying to sh throw for 5,000 yards, and um, enhance the offensive line. The, one question that I think that uh, Elliot brings up about the defense and, and how much that needs to improve is if you, it, I think we misremember this Bengals defense the past few years. If you look at what the, like it, when we went to the Super Bowl, we went to the AFC Championship game. Obviously, the Bengals kind of highlighted, the defense kind of highlighted what they did during the postseason run. But if, if you go look at how they were statistically, they were kind of middle of the pack in points allowed, 
in rushing defense and passing defense, pretty much in every every statistical category. And if you go look at the postseason games, like all of the games, the, the, the opposing team had like 400 yards, 450 yards. Like they were moving the ball against the Bengals. What we saw is exactly what we saw this year, and that was a bend-don't-break, as cliche as it is, right? These teams are moving the ball, then we'd get a big turnover, right? The Sam Hubbard, you can't, you can't have a 99-yard scoop and score without letting them get to the one-yard line. That's, that's bending, not breaking. That's what the Bengals did this year. They just yeah. broke a little bit, too. So I think we misremember what this Bengals defense was over the past few years. It's very similar to what it was this year. They just were a little more successful at getting those turnovers, and, and, and they bend it a little more before breaking. So it, it's more of an exasperation of what we saw over the past two years. They were slightly below what they were the past two years, and it showed as they put up a, gave up a lot more points. I think we just misremember this Bengals defense over the past yeah, Well, past the, the, the thing is this, though, is that the margin of difference between being a Super Bowl champion and, and, and being the first team bounced out of the playoffs is relatively thin. The, the the idea of there's only a few teams that you can see winning a Super Bowl. And the reason that you think that they're going to win a Super Bowl more times than not is has, has one thing to do with one position. If you have a, an elite quarterback, then you believe that they can mask some of the deficiencies, whether they exist or whether they don't. The only difference, in my opinion, between the Browns and the Ravens is Lamar Jackson. Correct. That's it. You put Lamar Jackson on the Browns and every single person in this room and every single person in this chat would rather bet on the Browns to win the Super Bowl than the Ravens. The Bengals, whether it's, and this is where you can hate me or not, I'm just going to say it. I like Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow clearly has illustrated that he can win a Super Bowl. Do I think he's like the best quarterback in the entire league and is going to raise everything? No matter what happens, he's going to be able to fix everything? Of course I do not. I don't believe that. Maybe he can. But ultimately, this comes down to number nine. And I'm not trying to place the blame squarely on him because it's not his fault he got hurt. But just like Joey Votto in years past, just like Barry Larkin in years past with that organization, and then you go down the litany of, of quarterbacks that the Bengals have had, it comes down to whether or not you're going to get great play from that position. And if the Bengals can get to a spot where they get that, I think they're, they're going to be okay. The question is, is what you said, is that there is an element of close, like you saying, well, they're just a little bit different. That's the difference in winning it all or not. That's my point. Is that sometimes you have a chance to go do something if you think you got to extra spend or overspend or do whatever you got to do. I know people hate the idea of going all in. I just felt like, and it's it's bad luck, and trust me, you'll never know whether they made the right decision or wrong decision because Joe Burrow got hurt. I don't know. If Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt at all, doesn't have a calf injury at all, do the Bengals win the Super Bowl? I would say that there you could you could say there's a reasonable chance. But my main point to that is the only reason you would tell me that they wouldn't is why. It's because their defense is not as good as it was. And my point is you can say all you want. Ah, you can't pay a safety this. You can't pay a safety that. And I get you on the years thing. But you're never going to convince me they can't overpay for a safety for a year when you're in a window of opportunity to win the whole damn thing. Wait, and wait. I'm hopeful that the Bengals will do that. I don't think and I'm not saying that I, Jesse Bates would have taken a one-year deal. Right, he wouldn't have. But, but my point is, is that if you overpay enough, you might. And 
And I'm not saying for a second that that's the only reason that this Bengals team has problems is because Jesse Bates isn't here. But there, there is something to be said about elite players, guys. There is something to be said about the best player at their position. I don't give a damn what position it is. If you give me the best tight end of all of football, it's going to make your team significantly better. If you give me the best wide receiver in all of football, it's going to make your team way better. Don't tell me how bad the positions are. You give me Christian McCaffrey, your team immediately becomes significantly better. So just because Jesse Bates walks out the door and you tell me he's too expensive, that's fine. But let's not also sit here and act like it's not a huge deal. It is. Now, whether it was the right decision or wrong decision, we can debate that. That's fine. Right. But there was a combination. Marchin said it in the chat. I think that's how you say his name, and I apologize if I mispronounce it. But I think he's right, too. You have a combination of old guys and really young guys. And neither one of them really played up to their full potential. And the linebackers, if we want to say anything, they extended them. They, they took a step back. I mean, Jermaine Pratt had a chance in that football game to flip it on a dime. One play, and I know it's not fair to judge Jermaine Pratt on one play all year long, but he's been bad not just that one play. Yeah. The guy, the, like, you want to look at the difference between Roquan Smith and Jermaine Pratt, and there's a pretty sizable difference. And those guys play in the same division, trying to get to the same opportunities and same goals. One guy had an opportunity to make a play in the backfield against, again, I get it, it's Patrick Mahomes. But you can't whiff. You can't just whiff on Patrick Mahomes on fourth and two. Yeah. Did, I t- can, I, can I ask a question? I, if, if they couldn't have paid Bates, right, uh, with 16 they, – they didn't, we didn't have $16 million to play with after the borough. They would not have been able to sign Orlando Brown. Okay. That's, 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 that's the difference here. Yeah, well, I mean, also Jesse Bates would not have taken a one-year deal. Like, I mean, even, even if you gave him – 23 million like like way, way over what he got paid he wouldn't have he would have taken the 60 million over four years which like we, we could sit here we could talk like I don't think anybody in this room didn't want Jesse Bates no one's saying like oh Jesse Bates is a bum get him out of the city no we want Jesse Bates just like if you're if you're a household and you got a budget and a lot of your budget's being spent towards your mortgage a la Joe Burrow then all of a sudden Going out to the club on the weekends, going out to the movies sometimes, and that's that's the that's the fun stuff. That's Jesse Bates that that you would want. All of a sudden, that's not in the budget, right? So that's that's what it is. It it, it really never was a viable financial option to sign Jesse Bates, and he was never going to take a one year deal. Now the, I, I will push back a little bit because they decided to sign Pratt and Logan Wilson. You don't have to sign those two guys, and you get. Jesse Bates. Now, to trace this point, I think Jesse Bates might be one of the best safeties in all NFL, if not the he best. Was. Just look yeah, at just look at his ear this year with the Atlanta Falcons. Well, he's, he's been like that for the Bengals. And when I think of the Bengals tandem, I think together they're pretty good. But is Logan Wilson a top ten linebacker in this league? Maybe Pratt, top fifteen, top twenty, maybe this year they showed their true colors. They are not the top line, top tier linebackers they're not a top duo in this league without that stellar secondary this year they are asked to do so much i'm not going to take credit for this this is more parker blake we had a conversation about this they were asked to do so much this year and they just could not do it they're asked to drop back a lot more because they didn't have trey flowers to cover the tight ends they're asked to cover a lot more space and do a lot more and they couldn't they couldn't keep up and if you decide that 
safeties is less valuable than linebackers, fine. But clearly this year it showcased that Jesse Bates was way right. too more way too valuable to this defense. I mean, they they drafted Logan Wilson and all those linebackers in 2020, whatever, and it fixed the linebacker issues right away. But I think part of that had to also do with how good the safeties were, Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Listen, they, they work they work in tandem. If you go back to the 2019 Bengals team, Jesse Bates was the highest rated safety in the league, according to PFF, which I don't love PFF. But he was the highest rated safety in the league. But they didn't have Jesse Bates and Logan Wilson, and the Bengals had the worst defense in the league. The worst in every statistical category, they were the worst. So they work in tandem. If And, and, and maybe I'm, I'm crazy for saying this, if I could go back in time, knowing what I know now, if I'd rather have one Jesse Bates with Dax Hill, or like we would have had to replace the linebackers. We we addressed, we had tried to address the safety position. And if you're going back in time and asking me, would I rather have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Dax Hill, Jordan Battle, or would I rather have Jesse Bates? Dax Hill, Jordan Battle, and whoever the hell would have been playing linebacker this year, I would do I would do what we did all over again. And that might be crazy, but I'd do it over again because I think it's still the right decision to not pay Jesse Bates a $60 million contract. I, what, that's, that's the part of this where I just – I don't know if we – we'll never see eye to eye on it because ultimately I'm telling you, I, I do think that no matter the position, it doesn't matter. When you have the elites of the elite, then it then it masks other, thi other things. And – Jesse Bates, whether you want to say that you couldn't have signed him or could have signed him, okay, that's fine. You signed Orlando Brown instead. You extended the linebackers instead. And I know hindsight's 2020, and anybody can make this comparison. But one thing I want to illustrate a little bit is you made the you made the example of going out and, and spending all this money, you know, out on the weekends and this, that, and other when you need the money for the the mortgage. What if you're a middle class family? What if you're somebody like I don't know my grandparents who worked at General Motors for for 35 years just to put food on the table, hated their job their whole entire life for the most part, but they did it because that's what they did for their family. But you get to the end of the life and you never take a vacation. You never take a day off. You don't ever do anything for yourself. I, I, I sit back and I wonder and I ask the question, what, what's the point? What's the point? You're going to save all this money for what? To go spend a shitload of money on offensive line that can't block any money? That's great. Go ahead. Let all the great players walk out the door. Why do you guys want Joe Burrow so bad? Why do you want Jamar Chase so bad? Because they're the best at their position. They're the best. You can't get anyone better. Those don't walk in the door all the time. You don't get an opportunity to have those guys. You had the best safety in the league. And you guys want to convince yourself that it's cool. No big deal. Let him walk out the door. We don't need him. He goes down to Atlanta, has six interceptions, has 700 million tackles. And, and we just sit here and act like it doesn't matter. It blows my mind. Because why? Because you want Logan Wilson to run around for two more years? Yeah. And Who we, gives a rat's tail? And for we Wordsworth, Orlando Brown was, was one of the best at his position. Yeah, and so, it's, 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 and so was, so, so was Johnny Bench, but they're not asking him to come back and play at the, for the Reds. Well, I'm just telling you. At some you, point, these guys get old. I'm telling they're you. They're not who they used to be, Reed. <laughs> well, when, you're, when, when you have a clear problem, which the Bengals' clear problem over the past two years was to address the offensive line, they went out and tried to address that problem. They went out and tried to address that yeah. problem. So who if sucks? With, with hindsight, with hindsight, yeah. 
Yeah, it you, sounds you, like me. Duke Tobin had a guy in the building that was the best at his position. Right. Looked around the room and thought, "Man, we can't draft these guys worth a shit." So let me go spend a bunch of money on a guy who still can't block. I'm yeah. just telling you, with hindsight, yeah, you, you, it, it, it does, it doesn't look good. But the Bengals were trying to address the problem with the money they had. Yeah, they were going to to try and fix their problems on their team. I don't blame the Bengals for getting right. Orlando Brown Jr., about? but the idea that they decided to to sign the linebackers instead of Jesse Bates because you would still have Logan Wilson another year. Pratt would have walked out the door, so Logan Wilson would have had to have been signed this year, this this offseason. But you would have had Jesse Bates, Dax Hill. You probably wouldn't have drafted Jordan Battle. And then you would have Logan Wilson and Marcus Bailey or Akeem Davis-Gaither, who they already had in their wing kind of developing as this guy that could help you out in the pass game. I don't know. I think they, they made a mistake. I think they truly made a mistake. They, they totally whiffed on this offseason completely. Now, where do they go from here? Because they, they've got holes to address. The safety you guys brought up, maybe addressing safety, they have to just let that pan out at this point. If you put more capital into it, you're neglecting other positions. They already spent a bunch of capital into it. You got to let that ride. You got to start turning your attention towards the defensive line and offensive line at this point. And then even receiver, too. Like, we haven't even mentioned we're losing Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins throughout this whole conversation. Yeah, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem. If they don't sign T. Higgins and we let Jesse Bates walk out the door, I'm going to be upset. Very upset. Because it was basically – the whole conversation last year was, do you want to keep T. Higgins or do you want to keep Jesse Bates? If we end up with neither, then what was the point? What was the point? Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the, some of the protection issues for Joe Burrow. I also want to say, maybe you could maybe this is where Zach Taylor. There's some criticism. Some is that Joe Burrow and Jake Browning were not playing the same offensive schematic plan, and I think that they protected Browning much better by the way in which they they design plays. They get the ball out quick. You, you run screen plays. Joe Burrow, as great as he is, sometimes I feel like they, they wanted to try to maximize every ability he had, which is to sit back in the pocket, pocket and make throws downfield and put it in tight windows. But if you can't block long enough for him to be able to do that, then maybe you have to, for, for, from time to time, stray off of that idea. But, uh, you know, listen, we could sit here and try to skin this cat more ways than one. I just, I'm in a position now where I... I'm not going to crush them because ultimately at the end of the day, they lost QB1. They, they lost the franchise right. quarterback. Right. And you can't sit here and say for sure, hey, this, that, and the other. The defense is the area in which obviously it feels like no matter what happens with Joe Burrow, it wouldn't have mattered. That defense was going to go out there no matter what. And they really, yes, they had some injuries from time to time, but they didn't have a litany of injuries. It's not like they had six or seven starters out at one time where you could say, well, that was the reason. They unfortunately, are young in a few areas in which it, it burned them. And I think they got guys that are getting old and aren't playing well. And un unfortunately, whether we want to – maybe Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt will bounce back. But of all the signings that you could be damned about or upset about, is if those guys don't play better, that's where you, you, you swung and missed. Yeah. And at some point, that comes back on somebody. Somebody has to be able to, to, to evaluate talent and I'm not, again, I'm not here to say that it's all Duke Tobin or whoever the hell else he has helping him. 
But Nick Scott, Irv Smith Jr., Orlando Brown. Yeah, those weren't their first choices on any – I don't think they got their first choice on any of the decisions they made in the offseason at all. Like I, Other than left Chan- Orlando Gardner, Brown was the right call. Right. Yeah. yeah I, like Chancey Gardner-Johnson was their safety of choice. Um, the, the tight end who ended up getting uh, melanoma. I don't even remember what happened with him. He ended up signing again with the Saints. Like, that was a whole, whole ordeal. I mean, they just swung and missed on a lot of stuff, and they just kind of settled with, let's just keep what we know, or let's just settle with what we got. And you can't act like that. You got to go all in sometimes. I mean, they still have like $10 million left in cap space. Didn't even use it this year. I can't stand that either, but that's a Bengals norm. Here's the good news, though. And, and, and again, maybe we're talking about everything that went wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong for the Bengals this year, it went wrong. Yeah, It was a lost season. It's a bad season. It happens. It's sports. It's why we all love sports because even the best of the best, they disappear. It, it happens. The good news going forward is that the Bengals are going to be playing a last place schedule next year. We are going to hopefully be healthy. We're going to hopefully be more healthy, that is. We're going to hopefully not extend Irv Smith Jr. to a 10-year Supermax contract. We're going to get rid of him. We're going to, get a, we're going to, get, we're going to probably use Tanner Hudson as our tight end. Joe Mixon most likely will be gone unless you can get him for sub $5 million, which he might do. He took a pay cut this year. He might do it. Uh, again, we're going we're gonna to franchise tag T. We're, Tyler Boyd's good as gone. Sorry, he's gone. And to be quite honest, uh, he hasn't really shown much this season at all anyway. He had that one game against uh, the Texans, and then even in that game, he had the world's biggest drop. Next year at home, we have the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, right? We then have the Broncos, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Patriots, and the Eagles. That's all at home. That's a bad home schedule in terms of viewing, but an easy home schedule. Uh, on, on the road, we have, again, the, the division, and we have the Cowboys, Chiefs, Chargers, Giants, Panthers, Titans. I don't know why we play the Chiefs every year on the road. I guess that's how it works. Them and the Titans. Played just, at home last year, to be fair. Uh, nope. you, you did play them at home last year. Yeah, regular season. Yeah, regular, regular season. Oh, you're right. We're talking about the regular season. Okay. The reason you don't get to play them at home during the playoffs is because they always have a better record. There you go, hater. Um, <laughs> that's and, that's so, a fact. But here's the thing. That's here's the thing. My point is, the point, the, the point remains uh, that this is a very easy schedule on paper. And, and, Not easy. You don't, I mean, we still play the Eagles, Chiefs. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah but Dallas. You, like, you're, playing the Giant, you're playing the Giants, Panthers, Titans, Patriots, Commanders, Raiders, Broncos. When you get a fourth-place schedule, you get three games that, right, you get three games that the rest of the division does not. You play three divisions where one plays one, two plays two, three plays three, yeah. which is this year it was the Bills, it was the Chiefs. Yes. And it was, I believe, the Vikings, while yeah. everyone else played different – Different degrees. This year, the, the next schedule, it's the Patriots out of that. Um, the AFC East. The Panthers. The and NFC then um, the other one, I, I think, is at home. So I don't know what that is. If next year isn't is, the year to take advantage of an easy schedule, it's, it's, and it's never going to happen. So, so because there's a lot of easy games. As, if you don't go 0-6 in the division, you'll be fine. Well, and, that's, and that's unfortunately what happened this year. 0-6, it, it, despite what Zach Taylor, tough sledding against the Steelers, blah, blah, blah. Even if you have a bad team, you can't go 0-6 in the division. It can't happen. It, it, under no circumstance can it happen. I know the injuries. I know everything. I, 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 know, all, I, I know everything. 
You can't go 0-6 in a division. I guess they're going to play a meaningless game on... Yeah, they're uh, going to ruin that because they're yeah. going to win this Sunday. They're yeah. going to ruin the 0-6. Solace, minus 4.5. No, no, there's no solace, the, though. The, <laughs> yeah, the thing that I keep looking at, and, and I try to be as optimistic as I can, when I'm pessimistic, I go right into the tank every single time. But I try to be as optimistic as I can. And when I and I recap this Bengals season, Elliot said it best, when a lot not a lot of things went right. Um, I think a lot of teams can say that this year, like all the quarterback injuries that have happened in the AFC, a lot of people can blame the injuries. So I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but the Bengals are eight and eight. And I said it earlier, 14 of the Bengals, 16 games are against teams that are trying to get into the postseason this weekend. I don't know how many games that'll turn out to, but every team in the, the division might make the postseason. Um, almost every single other game that the Bengals played are teams that are trying to get into the postseason. Teams with a 500 record. In a, in, a, in a year in which the AFC might have nine teams go 10 and 7, the Bengals have a chance to go 9 and 8, despite not having a healthy Joe Burrow for only, only having him healthy for five weeks. And, and, and we can look at the 0 and 5 division record, and these are, these are excuses. I get it. I don't like to do the excuse game, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to do the excuse game, but I, I'm just laying out the facts of what they are. The Bengals didn't play a single AFC North game with a healthy Joe Burrow. Not a single one. They played the Ravens twice. He gets hurt in one. One time he's got the hobbled calf. They played the Browns once with the hobbled calf, once with Jake Browning. They played the Steelers twice with Jake Browning. So these are all excuses. And the Bengals still had a pretty, pretty, at least watchable season, right? They kept us, they kept us into the final second last week of the year. In a game in which they they, they played the, the reigning NFL champions, the reigning Super Bowl champions, a game they should have won. So all these things are considered. I think Zach Taylor deserves deserves a, a pat on the back for, for the job he's done this year. I think that the, the, the Bengals, no, no roster is complete, and that's just the simple – it's the reason that we talk about when you when you sign a quarterback to a big contract, holes start opening up, but what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to let Joe Burrow walk? No. you got to pay him the money. So these are just problems. It's just the reality of the Bengals going forward. And Trace said it when we first started this discussion 50 or 60 minutes ago. And that was, if you don't hit on your draft picks, you're gonna have, you're gonna be in for a tough time. You you you've solved you solved the hardest part of the puzzle when it comes to being a successful team in the NFL. I truly, you're a fool if you don't think that Joe Burrow is one of the best in the league. I don't I don't know I don't want to get into the power rankings of NFL quarterbacks, but you from what we've seen of Joe Burrow, you can win a Super Bowl with him. So you solved that piece of the puzzle. I think you've solved the piece of Zach Taylor. I think you've solved the second piece. I think that you got a good head coach. I don't think he's one of the top five in the league, but I think he's good. So can, can you keep doing, can you keep hitting on the last piece of the puzzle? And that is keep hitting on draft picks. Because if you keep hitting on draft picks, all the free agent signings that you can do in the world doesn't matter. That's the question that remains to be seen. And that's the question that's going to persist for the Bengals going forward as we traverse through the rest of Joe Burrow's contract. Can Joe Burrow stay healthy, and can we keep hitting on draft picks? If both those things happen, the Bengals will be competing for championships for the entirety of Joe Burrow's contract. I think Zach Taylor had an opportunity this season to figure out where his worth actually lied when Joe Burrow went down. We were in a position where it was reasonable to think that they weren't going to win a game for the rest of the year when they played the Steelers. They played the Steelers... First week without Joe, full Joe. Obviously, he went down at the half or right around halftime of the Ravens game. And then the very next week, they got, they got absolutely drilled at home by the Steelers, right? 
You turn around and you think to yourself, they might not win a game for the rest of the year, is what some may have thought. You can say whatever you want about Zach Taylor. I think he's the least of the problems. I agree. If there is a problem that exists, I think it has to do with somebody inside that front office who can't evaluate talent. And you can tell me whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. They let some guys walk out the door that are pretty damn good, good football players. Whether you think they should have kept or not because of money reasons or this, that, and the other, that's fine. But I would also argue where they spend that money instead. They spent it on two linebackers. Didn't have great years. They could bounce back. I'm happy to be wrong. Spent it on an offensive lineman that probably is on his last leg in the NFL. Two years in a row. Can I ask a question? Uh, in the game on Sunday, fourth and one, defense, again, they weren't great, but they were holding Kansas City to field goals. We were dominating the time of possession. Yep. Would you have kicked the field goal or would you have gone for it? I personally, and I know hindsight's always twenty twenty. I like, if I'm if I'm winning and leading in a football game, unless it's in, in, unless it's a situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're up by three and you kick it to go up by six or you're up by, you're up by, uh, you know, what maybe you're only up by one and kicking a field goal. I mean, it still makes it a four-point game. But my point is I like taking points when I'm winning. I just do. Two reasons. I think analytically, I get the analytics. I'm not an anti-analytics person, but I also push back on analytics from time to time for certain things that are called human nature, psychology. Humans play that game. They have brains. They have feelings. That's why certain things happen that are just non-analytical. That's why some teams, you're like, wow, I thought this game was supposed to be a close game, and one team's blitzing the other team, or their one team's drilling the other team. Because humans play it. It's not all predictable all the time. I think momentum's a real thing in sports. I think when you kick a field goal, it keeps positive momentum. When you go for it, it opens up the door of opportunity, yes, to get you seven points or get you six points, yes. But if you don't get it, it opens up an opportunity for the other team to feel like they got life again. It's the same reason that the Chiefs should have kicked a field goal at the end of the half against the Bengals when they played him in the AFC Championship game. And no one will ever convince me otherwise that the Chiefs wouldn't have drilled the Bengals in that second half of the AFC Championship game if they would have just kicked a measly field goal and went into half and felt like we were, we were just, we just kicked their tails in. But what did they do? They decided they wanted to get, I call it cute. You might want to say it's the right play analytically. I call it they got cute. They decide they want to go for it. The Chiefs did. They get stopped. Bengals, Bengals, you think to yourself, if you're a Bengals fan in that moment, you think to yourself, you know what? There, I mean, there's a puncher's chance now. That was the death, that was the death doorstep, and we've kind of avoided it. I'm not saying if they kick the field goal, they win the game. But I know this. I've watched them play long enough to know they ain't bullying anybody. If they need to line up and get a yard, I've seen what they do. And they don't get it many times. How many times this year can you tell me on third and three, fourth and two, fourth and one, they just turn around, they hand the ball to Joe Mixon, he runs forward, and he gets three or four yards. Hell, they were on, they were on the one-yard line, and it took them four plays against the Colts to get in. And the only way they got in is they finally turn around and Joe Mixon screaming at the sideline. And you know what? It took a hell of an effort from Joe Mixon to run over a guy to get in the end zone. So if you're going to convince me that you're going to be able to just line it up against the Chiefs and run for a yard, I don't think – I guarantee – I'll say this. I know that, you, that people might say, oh, that's the right call. If you line that play up on fourth down and one out of ten tries, 
I know the analytics might say they get it 50% of the time. I think they get it one time, maybe. Personally. I agree, I agree with you. I, 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 when you're leading in that specific scenario, you've dominated the time of the time of possession. You've really dominated the game for most, for most of the game. I, I know they had a fumble early on and that helped, but you, you still did. That still counts for you. You take the points. You take the points because it ended up costing the Bengals a little bit. I know offensive line issues as well. Jake Browning refusing to throw the ball. But at the end of the day, you take the points. You keep the momentum. That gave the Chiefs every bit of momentum in the world when, when, when you didn't get it. And again, that's Zach Taylor. The only difference between the Eagles and some of these other teams that want to do the, uh, you know, the tush Philly push. shove or whatever, the tush push, whatever you ultimately want to call it, I don't care. It comes down to, to, to confidence in your offensive line. That's all it is. Everybody in the chat right now saying they need a QB sneak, QB sneak, QB sneak. Well, if you aren't confident enough to run a QB sneak right there, then I'm saying you shouldn't be confident to go for it at all. That's fair. And I agree with that. If, 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 if that's how you feel about it, that's fine. And listen, if it was a, if, put it this way, if it was a three-point game, I'm going for it. Because I know in the back of my mind, Chiefs go down, they score a touchdown, they beat me anyways. I'm going to take my chances here. Mm -hmm. But you got to have a little feel in the game. It was, I, it, momentum is a real thing. I don't give a damn what anyone says. I would, I'll take that to my grave. I really do believe, and I know you can't quantify it. I know that no one in the world is going to be able to say, well – you know, statistically speaking, if you do this or that, I don't give a damn. I watched the game with my two eyes. And I know for a fact, if you kick the field goal, you're feeling good about yourself. You kick it off. Next thing you know, you don't get it. The place erupts. Chiefs get the ball. And you, and you kind of have a little bit of a pit in, in your stomach, and you know why. I was just going to say, it was 17-13 to 13 at that moment in time. If it was 17-14, to 14, are you saying you would have went for it? Or are you saying that yeah. to make it a three-point game, you would have kicked it? I'm saying if I know in the back of my mind that a, few, that a touchdown and an extra point beats me, then I might go for it. Gotcha. But I'd rather, I'd rather just extend the game. Gotcha. I know in my mind that the Chiefs aren't going to go for two and beat me. Yeah. So they have to score two times now to beat me instead of once. With the field goal? Well, the field goal, would have if they would have scored a touchdown, it would have tied it up. I understand, but the Chiefs would have had to score again to beat me is what I'm saying. They, the got, Chiefs would have yeah, had to score I, I two different times. Yeah. If, if, if I go for it and I don't get it, Chiefs score one time, I lose. Yeah. And, and, and I know the one thing that cracks me up, and we'll see if it, I can't wait for this to happen in the postseason. I can't wait. It's going to be, they got to go for it, Jim. You know why? Because they got Patrick Mahomes over there. You got to say, field goals aren't going to win this game. They don't. Have you seen the Chiefs play this year? They had three points against the Raiders like almost the whole entire game. It's not the same Chiefs team. They scored one touchdown against the Bengals, and it was on the Six first drive. Right. First <laughs> so. Yeah. But, anyway. We talked about a lot on the show. Obviously, we, we, we didn't have time to, to sneak in uh, Red's talk. After a whole college football weekend, the Bengals certainly season ending in Kansas City. It felt like we probably weren't going to get to that as well. So, we will, uh, we will talk about uh, Montas another day. Tom is back. Friday. Friday. He'll be back Friday. So tomorrow we'll talk a lot about the NFL, just playoff, because I think there's a lot of fun stuff. We really didn't get into it today. Definitely. A lot of fun stuff. Um, I think uh, we can get into the – I think we're going to have Kirby on sometime this week because he started full-time. Congratulations, yeah, Nick Kirby. Nick, hopefully we'll get you We'll get you an email today. 
Yep. Put a ticket into the IT department. Right. <laughs> right. Big they didn't get back to it yet. <laughs> Big uh, I think we'll get to it right when the show's over, is what I was told. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Drew Garrison, Super Chat, uh, $1.99. Sorry I'm late. How about those Michigan men? Congratulations, Drew. Congratulations, Drew. I'll tell you what, Drew. You're going to win a championship this year, and when they strip it a couple weeks after, uh, you'll always have those memories with you in your heart. How funny would it be if Michigan wins, they hoist up, the college football trophy, yep. they get their picture, and then the NCAA is just like, all right, we'll take it back. Can we talk about it? Right, we're going to end the show on that talk. We're going to end the show on that talk because you put out a tweet, or you you know, you know, sent out a group text that said that. I didn't fire back because, you know what, I do have a little bit of a heart. When someone gets their when they get their heart ripped out from them, when they thought they had something, I don't usually jump on it. I'll wait a little bit of time, and then I'll attack. So I'll wait till tomorrow to make fun of you and your system that you played there. Uh, but you did send a text out that I don't really care about. Like I, I would venture to say, does anyone else care? This whole notion that, oh, look, the Michigan fans enjoy it now. Wait until they take away your oh, banner. No Do one you, cares. Who cares? No one cares? Elliot, who cares? I mean, they just they, if you're a Michigan fan, you just got the thrill, the excitement. You were, you were in it. And you got you can they can never take those memories away from any of those Michigan fans. And if they win the championship, they can't take those away either. So even though they might vacate their wins or pull their banner away, does anyone really ever care? Does anyone ever care about the Terrell Pryor pants or whatever? Do they vacate all those wins? Does anyone care that Jim Trestle got some of his wins taken away? No, no one really cares at the end of the day. I mean, if if the Bengals won the Super Bowl, okay, let's just say they won the Super Bowl next year, Elliot. That'd be cool. And in 15 years, there's some you know. Spygate that comes out that said that they had access to film and all this stuff, and they're gonna they're gonna revoke their championship. Fifteen years from now, our only you, the floor is yours. You would actually care they took it away, or you our, would just be like, "We did it. I don't our, give a damn." Our only championship, they're gonna take it away. Yeah, I'd care. You care that much about something flying in the rafters? It is. It is funny. It mat It matters if you've never done it before. It matters if you've never done it before. So you're telling me that you think. Down at the Centos Center. They finally make a Final Four. Mm -hmm. Do you think Xavier fans would give a rat's tail in 20 years if they came back and took the Final Four banner out of there? They'd be like, we don't give a damn. We want, we went to the Final Four. Why do we need a Final Four banner? We got our NIT championship banner. Yeah, you do. They got plenty of them, too. I, I, think, I think people care more than you think. But I understand. Really? I understand. Poll question of the day. We got two minutes left. Poll question of the day. Would you actually care... No, it's not a good – Molly says just like the Astros, they, they didn't take that away, though. What are you talking about? No, no, they're, they're going to take the banner away. That's what they're doing. Yeah, well, we're talking about the chat. Well, um, it's – Ten years. I Molly, in the chat, Molly in the chat said it was just like the Astros, but it's not like the Astros because they didn't take away anything. So here's, a, here's like a good example. Like, does it really hurt Louisville fans? I would, took, they, they I would be upset. Away, right? I would be upset. I would be upset. Yeah, I don't they think – do, do uh, like the, the the one big thing is is a nerd who always goes on Wikipedia and stuff like that. Like when I go to Pete Carroll's Wikipedia page, it doesn't say that he won any championships. That's fair because they took those away. Like I like I don't no. like I don't. I, Change the question really fast. I'm gonna help Elliot, uh, Casey out. Sorry. I would say uh, say would you care if your team's championship banner got taken away in ten plus years? But you get to experience it. That's the other part of this. Is like right you you. My point, I'm not saying you want them to cheat, but I'm saying, like, 
I also think Michigan loses. Would you, if you're a Michigan fan, would you rather have lost yesterday just because you know it's gonna get taken down anyway? It's like, oh well, they're gonna take it away. Who cares? I, I also think it's a little bit different if like 15 years down the line they took it away, opposed to like. What's the number in your mind then? If they, if they took it away six months later, you don't six think months is a little different. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's a difference. But it's not gonna be six months. I'll tell you if they if they have a ring ceremony. If it's the NCAA, it'd be that's 10. a good that's a good one. What if they have a ring ceremony? Like, what if, like, they got it to at least, like, they, they give yeah. everyone rings, they, they, they do the big hoopla at Paycor mm-hmm. Stadium. I think if, if I don't get to see that, then I might be on Elliott's side. Like, if the I Bengals think- win the Super Bowl, they get the parade, but they don't get the, the ring ceremony and yeah. to honor them at their first home game next year, that would hurt. That would hurt. No one can take it away in your heart, but who the hell wants that when you can have the whole world respect you? See, that's when you actually, that's the difference sometimes. I guess I don't give a damn what other people think about it. Sure. It doesn't matter to me. I experienced it. I, it, it, it that's the thing that they can't take away from you, Elliot, is that you've ex, you experienced it. You lived it. The, 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 the best example I could use of my case, and I, I get your case, the best example I could use of my case is that memories are really the only thing that you have at the end of the day. That's the only thing that you genuinely have. That's more or less why we do everything we do in our lives is so we can create a memory. You get the memory and you get the excitement of winning the championship. If you died before they even revoked the championship, I know you wouldn't care. So really what you're admitting to is that the only reason that you somewhat care is because of what other people think. And I got news for you. I don't give a damn what other people think. Well, it's not about what – I mean, it is about what other people think. But it's about having the respect – in that sport, in in your in that when, league, when will anyone ever respect the Browns? Even if they won a Super Bowl, no one's gonna respect the Browns. No one will respect the Bengals. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? If no one went, would if ever respect Bowl, anyone if, if you we, win a If the Bengals win a Super Bowl, you have to respect the Bengals. If you win a Super, like the, I hate the, the Kansas, ra- I, I, I hate, hate to, the Kansas I hate City Chiefs. You don't that. respect the Chiefs. I hate the Chiefs. You don't respect them. I don't respect them. I don't respect any team in the okay. NFL. All right. Well, I guess this is all right. I, I, I'm just. I don't, I don't know what I'm arguing. There, there will always be people that disrespect your team, no matter what. No matter what, even if like Michigan being in this cheating scandal, they will always, even if they never get their banner taken away, people will not give them their due, their flowers, despite winning it all. There will be some select few, sure. <laughs> and they'll and they might go out and say the election is rigged and all this stuff. But here's the thing: That's what you're basically arguing, just that that there's people out there that won't credit you with the championship. Yeah, yeah, that that's fine. Sixty five percent of the chat agrees with me. They are, and that's yeah. fine. I would also say, what is the cheating actually doing for you? I mean, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'd hold my head up high. I do. I I I believe that Michigan is winning this national championship. Not because they cheated. Not because they know what play is happening or they don't happen. Hell, they got accused of this how many months ago and they keep winning. You know why they win? Because they went out and they recruited. They recruited good football players. Those football players decided they want to go to their school. And they just straight up physically dominated the other team. That's what happened. They lined up with Alabama. And, and, and Milrow was getting sacked and sacked and sacked again. Now, unfortunately for Michigan, they had special teams that decided they didn't even get off the plane. But they're going to win a national championship because they have a good team, not because they cheated. That, 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 that's where you lose me. And if you're going to tell me, well, they cheated because they, uh, back in the day, it's like, oh, they paid a player. Oh, really? They paid a player? 
Terrell Pryor got tattoos, so I'm supposed to give a shit about that? I, I, <laughs> I get I, your, what, I get your what, what, what rules are we talking about? Now, if they if they cheated and it, and it clearly was like the difference maker, if you're telling me that that the 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 Michigan Wolverines legitimately have the plays and they were they were intercepting the uh, intercoms from the other side, and we'll end the show with this. How here's an idea for the NCAA. Here's an idea for college football. Maybe you get out of the Stone Ages and instead of having all these kids over there doing all these crazy signs. Now I could make a fool of myself by doing a bunch of stuff over here. Spinning <laughs> signs. You got Burger King over here. You got Sprite bottles over here. Why not just put a a little maybe something called a headset inside the quarterback and they can just hear the play. Ah, oh, novel idea. I know. It's almost like they did it in the NFL years ago. College football. At some point, I'm hopeful. We'll just just do what's logical. That's all. Until then, we're not gonna con- we're gonna continue to be illogical on the show. We do have a cherry on top. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. I will let uh, maybe Casey Elliott. Oh, is this my cherry on top? Yeah. Uh, okay. Set this up. Yeah. So there was a cheese it bowl, and, and after th- after the success of the Pop Tart Bowl, I assume this is what they did. They saw that and oh. they just. And they just copied it to an exact T. So they had this guy rise from the ashes from this Cheez-It box. And he's the, he's the mystical Cheez-It. And he held a sign that said, please don't eat me. Now, if you remember the Pop-Tart mascot, he wanted to be eaten. He held a sign that said, please eat me. And then he went into the, into the little oven. And then the whole team ate him. And to death, he's no longer with us. That mascot's dead now. But the Cheez-It mascot made it very clear when he rose from this Cheez-It box that he was not to be eaten. This was just a prop. I thought it was very funny, though. Big crowd bowl bowl games are the – by the way, bowl games no, – n- there's not been a year more than this year that proves my point that bowl games bowl are games absolutely are so worthless. What a waste of all of our time watching these bowl games. They're five hours long. Nobody's playing any player, and nobody cares about the result. Uh, the people, by the way, the committee saying something about Florida Florida State didn't play a player. They didn't have a single player in a game that they didn't want to play in because they were robbed. People are saying, oh, the committee got it right. The committee hand-selected four teams to play games. That's not what sports is. You pick, the, you pick the team that deserved to play in it, despite who's injured or not. The committee, they get it right? Sure. If I went right now, if Roger Goodell said, I want the Chiefs, I want the 49ers, I want the Eagles, and I want the Bills, I want all those four teams in the final four, I guarantee there's going to be some good games. Yeah, no shit. That's not sports, though. That's not sports. And the committee gets some, some weird sick credit from the college football committee or from the, or the, from the college football fan base because Florida State loses by 60 to Georgia in a bowl game that nobody cares about. Nobody. You think Georgia's happy about that bowl game? They don't care either. Nobody cares. It's just a collection of people who don't care celebrating a, 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 a bot sponsorship. Congratulations, Georgie. You won by 60. So next year, can we, like, cancel all the bowl games or in this in- – Cancel all the bowl games, have the 12-team playoff, have an NIT, and have a CBI. Have 36 teams play in a postseason. They actually play a tournament, please. That would be great. No more bowl games. That would be great. No, no more, more bowl games. Nobody wants – nobody cares. That's right. the crazy – nobody cares. Not a team, not a player. They'll take the free merchandise. I'm sure Cheez-Its gave every player a, a, a box of Cheez-Its for participating. But nobody cares. Don't act like they do. I showed up at a bar – with my friends when the Georgia Florida state game. And they're like, Oh, we got money on this game. I was like, 
who, who you got? They said, Florida State. I said, how many points are they laying? They, said, they told me 24, and I immediately laughed. I was like, the spread's 24, and it wasn't close. Two times over they covered. It was great. Was that even the spread of that game? Did it get to 24? 24. I thought it was seven. It was, it was uh, no, it started at 14, went up to 20 right before the right before the game started, and then whatever. Who cares? But I, I, I have Correct. your solution. Correct. I'm, I'm going to end the show with the solution. By the know? way, 61% agree with me. Everyone always has problems. Very rarely do they come to you with a solution. I got a solution <laughs> for college football. The bowl games, you might need them for sponsorships. You might like them. You might want to make – you don't want them to go away. You want to keep some of the nostalgia with bowl games. That's fine. I got an idea. Let's do it. Week one. I hate to say week zero because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Week one, we'll do the bowl games. They're just going to be the first game of the regular season. I agree with this. That's phenomenal. So why not just do that? You figure it out. You can, you can negotiate with schools on how much you're willing to pay them to play in your bowl game. They're going to they're gonna agree or not agree to play in it. And it's the same thing we're already doing. Just do it week one. Everybody will watch. Because everyone's interested. It's the first week of the season. People are interested to see what's happening. And the games matter. These games, we all agree, don't matter. Green Mouse. Yes. So we're over time. We are. That's a good point. That's a good point in the show. Casey, will you do me a favor? And will you run the cherry on top um, promotion one more time? One more time. Oh, and then keep the camera on us. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Here we go. And today's cherry on top. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. United Dairy Farmers. We love them. United Dairy Farmers. Thank you, United Dairy Farmers. Right. Here we go. Bring it over here, Casey. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.